Happy Halloween, creeps. Happy Halloween, everyone. Like official Halloween, because today is your bonus creep. Word. Ha uh, happy and merry Samhain, everyone. Yes. So Peace, peace and love. <laughs> and good vibes. Only. <laughs> I've, I've been reading a few things that say, because um, I follow a lot of like witch pages on Instagram. And right now the thing is, does you hate the person that's always trying to tell you how to do with your own witchcraft because witchcraft is supposed to be a personal path and very person I'm going to say personal again and then it's like the first one being like real offensive and like that's not how you do that and this isn't how you do that but then when you clap back and be like hey bitch calm down then automatically like hey peace and love you know I'm just you know and it's like calm down bitch yeah I actually saw um that girl Dana from Hellier, mm. which watch that show. Anybody who hasn't seen Hellier, yeah. So anyway, I follow Dana on Instagram, and she had actually seen that in someone else's comments, like she practices herself or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was some really condescending thing, and she was like, uh, "Oh, I remember when I was a young witchless, or some bullshit." But this girl Dana called her out on her Instagram. <laughs> and was yeah. Like. This is precisely what we don't need. Like, yeah, yeah, and and I was listening to this other witchcraft uh, podcast. It's like a witchcraft paranormal podcast, and apparently in the community, it's I guess that's why there's like a lot of solitary witches, is because you always feel like you keep it to yourself because if it if it goes if it gets out there that you're a witch, then other people who are witches too they'll want to test you you know like yeah oh you think you're a witch yeah it's almost like you have to prove yourself to them but it's almost like that's exactly what it, you're not supposed <laughs> you know what i'm saying like why i don't understand that anyway this is a really weird rant isn't it <laughs> uh. <laughs> Anyways. So this episode is looking like it's going to be way long, like <laughs> two and a half hours maybe. So you're in for the long haul. And this week we're doing, well, and not this week, this is a, our Halloween special. So we're going to change it up a little bit. Mm. We're not going to be doing Dulce tells me a story, I tell her a story. For this episode, we interviewed three of our very close friends. They all have backgrounds in history and... Being smart, basically. Yeah, like they're way more academic than I yeah. ever was or ever will be. So we asked them for help because this subject is something that's close to all of our hearts, I think. Yeah. I'm going to stop eating around the bush. It is the Hellfire Club in Dublin. For me growing up, it was always like my granddad would point it out from the house and be like, just see that there? That's the Hellfire Club. Because mm. we could see it from like upstairs in his house. And it's this gnarly looking building on top of this hill in the fucking middle of the mountains. And there's all sorts of mad stories from there. So what we tried to do, because I know a lot of other podcasts have covered it and I haven't listened to them or anything. And I'm not shitting on their parade. But what we wanted to do was try and find out the real history of it. Not just the myths and legends, but the actual facts 
as much as we could and then delve into our own personal experiences after that of the Hellfire Club. This episode is nothing but Hellfire. And it's a lot about, it's a lot of me listening (laughs) (laughs) because I know nothing about the subject. I didn't even know it was real and I didn't even know there was different factions, you know, because there's the one in Ireland and then there's. Oh, yeah, it was you know just like any like fraternity, like there's different. Like uh, the I think there's actually one Freemasons in New York as well. And uh, and shit like that. And the Boy yeah. Scouts. Uh, actually, <laughs> uh, Ben Franklin was a member. Oh, the Boy Scouts? Possibly, but the Hellfire Club. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, or maybe he wasn't a member, but he definitely visited. Mm. <laughs> right on. So anyway, the, the main story the main like spooky tale from the hellfire club mm-hmm. i'm gonna i did try and look it up so as i could get like as uh, close to the real story the real story mm-hmm. as i could but it's not actually that long sick so i'm just gonna tell it as i heard it i don't know when it's just one of those stories i feel like it was implanted in my brain tell me a story i'll tell you a story i'm gonna do ghost adventures voice I'm gonna, for this. i'm gonna gonna do so it starts off one dark and stormy night you know i can't keep that up for too long (laughs) but yeah one dark and stormy night back in the 1750s or thereabouts the hellfire club is in full swing everybody's up there drinking and gambling and doing all sorts of whatever goes on up swinging 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 dude (laughs) <laughs> but like i said it's like a horrible storm out pouring rain and they get a knock on the door and there's a stranger there and he's well dressed and he looks like could be one of them yeah so they say come on in out of the storm sit yourself by the fire and get warm sick yeah so he sits down he's having a drink and the lads are playing cards so he joins in the game of poker and he's winning all night long and they're getting drunker and drunker and then somebody drops a card, or in one of the versions, this man is actually dealing. And one of the people only gets two cards instead of three. So they look on the floor to see what happened to the other card. And when they look underneath the table, they see that this stranger has cloven hooves instead of feet. So with that, the man panics and he says, that's the jivel. And there's multiple endings here. One, he shoots through the roof. The devil. The devil. Okay. The devil on Far Dove. Two is he just bursts in a pile of smoke or a puff of smoke or whatever you want to call it. And he's gone. Three is he grabs a maid and throws her in the fire. And while they're, look, while they're attending to the girl in the fire, they turn around. The devil's gone. So there could be many more endings or difference, differences or whatever. That's the main story. Anyway, that's the general gist. Like I said, with a story like that, this place has to be full of ghosts, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, that's a common theme. Like, I think the the story for that other house, what's it called? So Loftus Hall. Loftus Hall. They have a similar story, right? Yeah, very close to it. Yeah, they're playing cards again. Apparently, the devil really likes playing cards, and he hates keeping his human feet on. Because he always <laughs> yeah. gets found out whenever he drops a fucking card. 
And why the fuck does he keep dropping cards? Like, it's the same story over and over again. He's like, you would think like, okay, I really got to hold on close to this fucking deck of cards so I don't drop it. You know what I'm saying? But he keeps dropping them. Well, I think he's doing it on purpose. Oh, okay. You don't like just he's think like he has like... stringing them along for so long and then... You don't think he just has boom. like butterfingers? I don't know. Like, put on a pair of fucking shoes if you're going to be that. Or butterfingers. Butterfingers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like this story is famous for being attached to Loftus Hall. Mm-hmm. And I can't actually fucking remember the other ones now. I should have written them down. But there's like three or four different big old houses or castles or whatever across ireland that have this story and i'm sure in other countries too i wouldn't be surprised if leap castle didn't have a story like this i mean possibly you know so before we jump into this anyway because there's a lot of references yeah to random shit mm-hmm. dulce is gonna tell us what Newgrange is real quick yeah so um just to reiterate in different words that other people might understand but because like for me like i need to be explained <laughs> like like i'm five like that reddit subreddit yeah yeah so what's gonna go down is like because these people are this people that we interview um are super freaking smart they're gonna be dropping terms phrases <laughs> and all kinds of things that some some for some people just might go over your head or you know? as well they they are irish too you know what i mean like we yeah. do use different words for different things or whatever so it's yeah. not like we're trying to be condescending or anything it's just yeah. so everybody has full understanding of the story right um so uh one of the terms that you'll see is you'll hear is new grange uh new grange is a neolithic monument spiritual temple passage tomb it's called different things physically like to your you know like to the naked eye it is a passage tomb yeah uh what that means is it's like think of the pyramids how there's literal at like hallways or passages and surrounding it is just burial tombs like yeah the only real difference is like the the shape on top like whereas the pyramids are obviously these grand majestic fucking pyramids yeah or like the mayan ones or whatever you know like different variations this is more basic it's just like a big round dome of rock yeah and also the the doorways aren't hidden right well on new grain specifically and amy talks on this real quick as well in her part the way new grange is built is that on the longest and shortest day of the year the sun aligns aligns with the mm-hmm. windows built in it yeah. so they're very very magical spiritual places mm-hmm. and the Hellfire Club just happens to be built on top of one out of the stones that were originally used for that grave. So that's the kind of level of energy we're talking here. Yeah. Irish legends say it was built by spirit folk. The Tuatha de Danann. I don't actually know. Ah, boom. Tuatha de Danann? I don't know. Okay. But what's it? Children of the Goddess of... Uh, Children of the Goddess of Dana... Or it could be Diana, a derivative of Diana. Other sources say it was built by Stone Age farmers. Anyway, it's older than Stonehenge and the pyramids of Giza. Yeah, so. Just to give you an idea of how old these are. Yeah, this so, place is, rather. Um, basically, what we're trying to do is figure out why this place has such a foreboding presence. Yeah. 
I don't know how it is down the rest of the country, but in Dublin, anyway, it's... If, if I think if you're not jaded or just desensitized, I think it would be easy. You would feel something inside you that tells you that this is a special place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's also as well, like at the, the bare bones of it today, it's the haunted house on top of the hill. Yeah. And so without further ado, mm-hmm. let's jump on into our interviews. The first one being Amy. Amy Plunkett. Who is going to cover all of the ancient history yeah. belonging to the place and also drop some knowledge on fairies for us. Yeah. With the Hellfire Club, everything like that, you obviously know the story of the hunting lodge and everything like that. I'm interested in everything before that. So before that, um, you have to go right back. And when it comes to Irish people in particular, they're a very superstitious bunch of people, Um, especially when it comes to the dead and burials and, you know, fairies and all these sorts of things. Like a lot of people see fairies as these lovely little creatures, but Irish people don't because they're not sound in any way, shape or form. They kidnap your children and they do all sorts of things like that. But that's a different story for a different day. Um, as a result of the fear of the other world and the supernatural with the ancient Irish people, um, they would pay so much homage and respect to the areas in which they believe that they lived. So under particular trees, like a hawthorn tree, um, and they're known as fairy trees, um, and also burial sites. Now, everyone today in modern times, you have respect for a burial site. It's as simple as that. Um, but the ancient Irish people had a fear of them nearly as well, because that's where the fairy folk lived too. And this other world was called the Sheed, which just means other world. And um, no one ever wanted to go there. <laughs> you didn't want to be dragged down there kicking and screaming and stuff like that. And every Halloween, you know, the Morrigan goes to the gateway to the other world and brings out all these horrible creatures and stuff like that. All these like, you know, war pigs and stuff. And they're just very, very cool stories. But like that, these are all surrounding burial sites. So in order for you to kind of get the actual hill itself, the area of Hellfire Club, so you have a lot of cairns, which is what the burial was known as. And I used to actually be able to see one from my bedroom window. That's amazing. Like, there see, a, they're yeah. everywhere. It was the thing. It's like, there's actually like a dolmen in an estate. Sorry, in... that's what it was. It was a dolmen. Yes. Up on top yeah, it's a burial hill. site as well. It's a burial mm-hmm. site too, different type of one. So you have the two stones and the capstone on top. Yeah. Uh, this is like a mound of rubble nearly is right. what it looks like um so you have more people you more sorry more bodies uh buried in it more remains inside it they were normally cremated um inside these tombs passage tombs the yeah, most famous one being newgrange um yeah. but newgrange doesn't actually look today how it would have looked thousands of years ago so the irish people have names for everything um, obviously, back when we used to speak Irish um, as our first language, everything had a name and everything meant something. So there's this thing called the Metrical Dinschenkis, um, which is one of the oldest, book, oldest books um, going back through Ireland stories. And it's basically, you can access it online. Um, it's accessible to absolutely everybody and it's amazing. And it's basically, it's a text of early Irish literature um, recounting the origins of place names, people, um, deeds that folks had done so a very easy way I'm going to do this is um Smithfield in Dublin right it's called Smithfield 
but the Irish for it is Margan, a firma, which means a farmer's market. So they don't translate. And all around Dublin and Ireland, you have dual signage. You have it in Irish and then you also have in English. But with the colonization with the English, they renamed a lot of places. What sometimes they've done was they anglicized um, the Irish places. So Dunleary, which is quite Irish sounding and spelling, was just called Dunleary. Um, but then you have places like Smithfield and Marion Affirma changing absolutely hugely. Like, you know, so you go back and it's just like, well, why was it called the farmer's market? because there was a farmer's market there but there was a farmer's market there going back like before viking times when dublin was just like you know a settlement and just like a little ford of hurdle work which is where it gets its name from dublin blackpool vikings all that sort of thing but the original name of the hill just montpelier hill yeah because it's quite an english sounding name even like it's incredibly english Montpellier sounds like it would have been named after a family or something like that, you yeah, know, quite yeah. a well-to-do Anglo family. And then there's obviously the hunting lodge there, but there's there's always something there before that, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to like we're a very old, old country. Yeah, and we talk about like the passage grave. I was saying it's more or less like building on a Native American burial ground. Like it's the exact exactly. same. Yes. Uh, type and of energy. Have, and... Oh my God! Yeah, and they're ancient sacred sites like they're completely sacred do you know and unfortunately like around the time that you know William Connolly chooses to purchase the area known now as Montpelier Hill like there wasn't really they didn't care about stuff like that so they it wasn't just you know in the building of the Hellfire Club that the stones from this burial site were used like quarrying was something huge that was happening in the 18th and 19th century so they're going around and taking stones from these burial sites to build and like walls, roads, like yeah, houses yeah. in this case sometimes as well. So you have a huge decimation of these burial sites and burial grounds and stuff as a result of the need for resources and raw materials and stuff like that as well with, with the ancient people then. So there's a quote from Owen McNeil's book and it says we come to Montpelier or Mentpelia as the country people called it. Montpellier was probably a fancy name given to this hill by Speaker Conley when he got possession of it, but hitherto I have not been able to discover its true Irish name. So he needs to go back further and further. So they believe that the original name for Montpellier Hill was hidden in plain sight all along. You have the different cycles of mythology in Ireland, and in one of them, which is the Ulster cycle, they have a story which is the destruction of the Derga's hostel. And in it is mentioned a place called Sleeve Legka or Lekka Ken Sleeve, which is in the exact area that they place the cairn of the Hellfire Club today. Wow. So, yeah, you're going back through it and it's in poems. Um, it's called The Stones, The Gathering of Stones um, on the Mountain. Um, you can go into like the language and stuff, but like it's ancient Irish and there's about, there's very few people that can read and speak ancient Irish it's not the same as the Irish that we have today yeah um it's completely different but the fact that sleeve always means mound or mount or mountain um it features as the last stage of the journey before they attack the hostel so geographically it makes sense as well so like that all of these like stories and myths and legends they're all completely available online and stuff if you Mm -hmm. ever want to read them but again you go back through it and you see that there so you know it was initially used as a graveyard like you said very similar to an ancient uh, burial site but the thing about these areas is they were worshipped as well and they were placed in these areas for a reason 
so obviously with new grains you have the alignment uh during the solstice the winter solstice yeah some of them line up with the autumnal equinox some of them line up with all different ones and you can't imagine people from thousands of years ago that probably can't even write are able to build these absolutely amazing structures and align them so perfectly because they use the stars and they use the night sky to find their way to be able to tell time days all these sorts of things so that's why with seven coming up that's actually the celtic new year Mm -hmm. so it's basically a big happy new year coming up soon (laughs) because they believe that you know this is the end of the year this is the death of the year it's the darkest time of the year so then it has to start all over again with the cycle so not sure what um the cairn on the top or uh, yeah of the hellfire sorry of montpellier hill um would have been but the excavation itself from the report which like that everyone can access online it was in 2016. right it was done by abarta heritage and with funding from uh, dublin city council and uh, diggers from the ucd school of archaeology shout out there um but the excavation did find uh, at the mound of the rear of the hellfire club it represents a badly damaged remain of a neolithic passage town the dig proved that the mound represented the remains of a stone current, and they can also definitively demonstrate that the tomb had been very badly damaged by quarrying. Artifacts were also consistent with the Irish passage tomb tradition. These artifacts included megalithic art, a polished stone axe head, flint tools, and a possible mushroom-headed bone pin. So you have like it's exactly what you think it looks like it's like a really long turn about that sorry my balance and it's got like a mushroom head on the top and like way back when people would have used it to like close their clothes or their okay okay stuff like that so they would survive because they're bone like you know flint axe heads they're stone and and like that you see the art and the art from back then it's quite crude art but it's absolutely beautiful and so basically yeah during the dig what they do is they do like a test trench and that's very near to the site in itself and they found a lot of like that material items up there they knew that there was something there because generally when it comes to ireland if you read back through history and that's a great thing about archaeology archaeology and history do go hand in hand but they're not mutually exclusive to each other um archaeology you're looking for evidence but archaeology can also use folklore in trying to gain further knowledge about what's actually going on at that time so i know myths are commonplace all around the world but when it comes to the very specific ones in specific areas there has to be some truth that started it somewhere like things go from a mountain to a molehill or like hellfire hill whatever you want to call it but like they do change over time and stories always change so when it comes to the site itself if you look at the aerial photographs you'll see a ditch around the back of it yeah, and we were saying as well, like when you're actually in the Hellfire Club itself, uh, well, obviously, if you're up in the, the back room at the top, you're looking out, yeah. you can physically see like the shape of what was once there. Like yeah. and we were saying, like, there's no trees there. There's no, no nothing. That's where the kind of fairy lore comes from as well, because those on a much, much smaller scale, they're kind yeah. of like fairy rings. So like that, nothing grows there and right. people don't touch them. I don't go near them. There's obviously stories about people knocking them down on their land and they like die of heart attacks a couple of weeks later. They lose their fortune. Their farm equipment stops working. Their animals start dying. Like there's a, there's a lot of folklore and stories online about 
going over a fairy ring or in that what it actually is is a burial yeah and as well like the like it's not only in ireland this is i know from other podcasts and stuff like that iceland in particular yeah. is also like their government are strong believers in they call them the hilda folker i think mm-hmm. something like that yeah but to the point where like within recent times like within the last 20 years they have spent millions and millions of euros or whatever mm-hmm. uh, currency they used um like building a, a highway to go to avoid the hilda folk yeah. sites that was kind of touched on on that movie that we saw recently remember about eurovision oh yeah actually yeah. oh my god yes the with will with ferrell. Ferrell. <laughs> yeah exactly so movies. that's yes. that movie is obviously like making a joke of it but this is true yeah. like this is how people we kind still of done feel. the same thing with tara like there was due to be like a motorway built yeah very was... very close and it was like protested against is everything like that but then again we wouldn't have our you know the respect for our sites that like iceland would have to be fair but i mean no like it's great that's what's great about folklore like you can find similarities between almost every culture when you go back through yeah. time essentially and, and it's like, absolutely beautiful and it starts to kind of shed a light on where, where the stories would have come from even mm. like this story of the devil coming in and um all that like obviously like we're not taking in everything from that no, story. God, oh my no, god, you this have is to a take fact. it with a grain of salt. Like, yeah, absolutely yeah. have to take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, we were looking at like um some of the murders that are on record yeah. that did take place, and the stories you can start to like see where the myths and the stories start to overlap, like where the fact comes into play. Absolutely. And that's like more or less what we're trying to do with this episode is just kind of get this blend of why is it such a scary place you know what I mean why is it still got a name in modern times like how far back does this go like what years do you think like this passage grave like I know that's well, we gonna have be dates well not exact dates but yeah. we have in and around dates of when they first appeared on the continent of Europe around 4600 BC wow so that they're like they're so like they're so old you know like i mean it's this is neat the neolithic period which are farmers you know hunter gatherers um all yeah that like because i think a lot of the times when people think like oh, old history they're thinking like medieval or whatever but this really ancient history yeah you know what i mean old like like that new range is older i'm sorry i keep using it but it's a really good point of reference because so many people know about it but that's older than the pyramids and stonehenge and that's what i was get, gonna say as well like the other thing people don't think like when you're thinking about Ireland or probably like anything like what well, I personally don't think of like, like this, but you're not like when you, someone talks about a passage grave and mm-hmm. you know, you're digging down into the earth and walking down these like tombs and mm-hmm. you know, it's like thousands and thousands of years old. People are thinking like Indiana Jones, the pyramids yes. in Egypt, like yes. some, but there is like, a similarity between those burial systems, if you think about but it. But this is what I'm saying. It's, it's more mm. or less the exact same thing. It's a different yeah. finish to it. That's what's magic about it as well. And the thing about Ireland, you know, over here and the passage and everything like that, like Yates has a great quote, and it says, in Ireland, this world and the world we go after death are not far apart. And it's because 
they believed that we were so close to that veil because we were so in sync with those spirits and ancestors and everything like that that if you walked into a passage tube that's you're through you're gone yeah and this world is they believe is never far away it's beneath a tree it's through a doorway it's through an ancient castle room um where it came from i'd love to be able to put my finger on it you know i like i think most people would just like well where did this story come from where did that story come from ireland has very well known history of oral folklore and oral tradition and stories are passed down throughout generations yeah and how they become written down is when like that christianity comes along and these monks in training and priests in training are learning how to write so they have to transcribe these old ancient stories so that's how they become written down. That's why you have different, like, you know, slight or different versions all around the country. Like, as recently as I think it was the 70s, you have, like, families, like, killing women because they thought that they were changelings. Yeah, Jesus. Which are, you know, they believe that, yeah, your baby could be stolen by the fairies and replaced with a fairy baby that looks the exact same. Oh, yeah, the, an identical but, copy, like. Yeah, these children, they don't emote. They don't look you in the eye. They don't this. So you have these like tick lists of what a changeling is. Mm. The way to find out if it is or not, they throw it in a fire. So that happened recently in the 70s. Do you know? So like it is a thing that's still ever present in the back of your mind. Like I'm sure if you spoke to your grandparents, they would have a lot more superstition than maybe you would. Do you know what I mean? It changes with generations, I suppose. But there's still something innate in the back of your mind when it comes to stuff like that, that you just something like raises on the back of your neck. Yeah, and, and you just like, know, oh, yeah, this is bad news. Back off. But like passage graves and that in itself, they were used for ritual. They were used for like, again, up where Nous is, there's an altar stone out the front of it. They're set up in specific areas for, for specific reasons, but... When it comes to like that, the history and the folklore and all that of the Hellfire Club, when it comes to like the older periods, it would have been a revered area as opposed to a feared area, if that yeah. makes sense. So that like what I'm thinking like right now is whether this place was well, we know that it was used for burials, but regardless of who or what they were burying up there, it would have been a celebration. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they would have had Absolutely. feasts. And, like, that's yes. a lot of emotion going on. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout. That emotion like, hangs around. Yeah, t- thousands of years. Like, it goes back to that stone tape theory. Like, you know, it sets the tone. Literally. So, I mean, that in itself, like, is bringing enough energy to a pl- Like, that's why, like, 90% of people reckon that anywhere is haunted these days. Like, oh, there was a murder or you know, yep. whatever, it's like this emotional energy that gets left behind, right? You do have a historical memory, an emotive memory, you know, something has to stay there. Energy is, it's never destroyed. It just, it changes, yeah. like, you yeah. know? So, I mean, something has to linger, absolutely. And if you have a graveyard up there, which probably depending on the time of year, you don't know what's going up, on up there. There could be ritual sacrifice going on up there. There could be, like that, your seasonal celebration. There could be many, many different things going on up there. And lots of evidence of burning up there. So, for example, like there might not have been settlement on top of the hill, but there's a lot of activity on the top of that hill because they found the charcoal remains um, up there from many, many different fires. Fire is something that is hugely goes hand in hand with ancient Celtic pagan burials of the time, like. 
and um, they do change like that minimally in some cases and in other cases like structurally for example the pyramids and say the tombs that we have over here like ours like that can sometimes look like a pile of stones yeah yeah but they also took like stones from different parts of the country to put in these areas specifically so, like, like yeah so like you would have gotten stones used in the tombs in the Boyne Valley from Wexford okay. and these are massive so how yeah. did they get them up there <laughs> like these are all like these are used for a reason and they're used with an intent obviously yeah. we can't read their minds from way back when so we can't exactly know why but we can theorize how we can do that so using folklore as well at the same time and the and evidence that, in your hands and that would be like Wexford to the Boyne Valley as well like say if you were to drive that now how long would that take you um, Dublin to Wexford probably about two and a half hours. They're talking probably about three and a half hours, maybe four Damn. in a car. Yeah, and that's with modern motorways, highways, yeah, and cars. <laughs> like you have to think of the amount of time it must take for these lads to build this. Yeah, like, and the yeah. range is not the only table up there. Like you had so many other, like there was settlement around it. There was everything. This was one of the holiest places in Ireland back then, and it's magical. Like you go there, it's absolutely magical my ashes yeah. are being scarred there when i die um <laughs> but it is beautiful and you can well believe when you go somewhere like that that yeah no i could well believe that there's something else going on here yeah absolutely so that was what amy had to say yeah um and we will hear from amy again she'll be the last section of the show today once we're all done well, once we're all talking about our personal experiences up there. So, again, like, we're just back focusing on this mad, heavy energy, right? Mm. And that negative energy is still lasting today. And I want to talk real quick. Literally, just after a quick Google search, um, I pulled up this story from four years ago. Only. Three kids go camping up by the Hellfire Club. Mm -hmm. Two guys and one of their girlfriends. Mm-hmm. The, one of their moms drops them off at the car park and they hike on up. This is like middle of the day. Anyway, while they're up there, they're like getting their little campsite ready or whatever and they start pitch or they set a fire and all is going well. And then they notice that there's another tent like only about 50 meters away from their own and there's an older dude there. He's 28. And after a while, he comes over and just introduces himself and like, you know, everything's going fine. He seems lovely. And after a while, they head back into the woods to get more firewood. So the girl and one of the guys goes off in one direction. And this older guy and the other kid go in the other direction. Mm -hmm. And this is a quote then from the Irish Times. As the 17-year-old was about to get firewood, he was grabbed from behind by the accused, who put his left hand across his mouth and attempted to cut his throat with the knife. He was sliced across the throat three times before he managed to push his attacker away he fell to the ground and corbett then stabbed him in the chest the knife broke leaving the blade embedded in his chest the knife no longer being useful corbett picked up a log and hit the teenager on top of his head the other two friends noticed that something was happening and attempted to intervene the young woman was first on the scene where corbett punched her in the face she was knocked to the ground and then he pulled her by her hair off of her boyfriend obviously she landed on him 
Corbett then started stamping on his first victim's head and pulling his hair. The two other teenagers again tried to go to his aid, but Corbett knocked the other young man to the ground and began to stamp on his head too. The second boy managed to run for help and came across people at the actual ruin. So the woods like surround this, like you're talking maybe 50 meters, 150 feet behind the, the Hellfire Club itself. So he ran out and Corbett chased him, claiming that he was the one being attacked by these three. So obviously the people saw that this wasn't the case and they called the guards straight away. They called the police and this guy just ran off into the forest. Like this was 3.30 in the afternoon uh-huh. on just a regular old day. So what happened to this guy and why did he do it? I mean, I don't know why he did it. He was still claiming that the kids attacked him when he had no like wounds or anything on him you know what i mean he like you don't get attacked by someone and then try and slit their throat three times you know what i mean but i did happen to read another article from this june or july that same guy has just been handed another sentence very light sentence because it's in ireland he stabbed his prison guard he tried to choke another prison guard with a sock a female prison guard so obviously like he's not well in the head what the fuck was he doing camping up at the Hellfire Club? In the be- like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's lots of stories like this that you hear. And I was literally talking to a friend of mine from school only a few weeks back. If he hears this, he'll know that I've stole his story. But him and his friends went up camping there, like, less than 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. We were all still in school at this stage. And they were just trying to have a good time or whatever. And while they're sitting up there in the woods, they just get surrounded by this gang of i'm just gonna say delinquents (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i can't think of a nicer word yeah they just get surrounded and they get tried to rob their shit and do whatever like you know so this place is still to this day just known as a bad area bad news yeah you know what i mean and that's like still that was our biggest fear going up there when we were doing our little like ghost hunting trips or whatever like we were just going up trying to have some fun but the whole time we're thinking was somebody out there yeah just waiting yeah, there's other stories of people up there just like, you know, regular, having the crack, whatever. And this guy shows up late at night. They're just up there having a few drinks and, you know, nothing crazy. And this random dude shows up with like a plastic shopping bag in his hand. He just walks straight up into them. And he's like, all right, lads, how's it going? And they're like, who the fuck is this? But, you know, they're like, oh, what's going on, man? Anyway, pretty soon he starts acting kind of weird and saying stuff like, you guys were meant to meet up here tonight, right? And they're like, oh, don't know what you're talking about, pal. Anyway, I think he like leaves the bag behind him and walks out as if he's going to go on the phone. And the lad's checking the bag and there's like a big fucking butcher knife in the bag. And they look back out and your man's gone. So whoever he had arranged to like meet up with to do whatever didn't show up. Or did show up and saw this other gang of guys in there, yeah. you know, just having a good time of like fucked off. Yeah. So it's just full of these fucking weird ass stories still to this day. Yeah. So anyway, here's Carl, Carl Gill. Um, he has more facts on the modern history, less modern than what I've just been talking about. But yeah, um, he's going to talk about the actual Hellfire Club and the founding of it. we now know as the Dublin Hellfire Club 
uh, was built first as a hunting lodge um, by William Connolly. William Connolly was one of the wealthiest people in Ireland and probably one of the richest people in, in Britain as well. The building was built in 1725, but at that time there was no like Forbes 100 rich list or anything like that. But <laughs> if there was, William Connolly would have been at the top of that list, probably yeah. for both Britain and Ireland. Um, he had made his money doing land sales um, on behalf of the king. Uh, selling land belonging to Irish people to rich British people. Stealing, yes. (laughs) Um, He was also the Speaker of the Irish House of Commons, so that's like the chairperson who controls the the meeting of of Parliament. Um, But he bought the land from Philip Wharton. Philip Wharton was, uh, his mother was a Loftus. They they owned the land at uh, Raffarnham Castle. Uh, but Philip Wharton was also the founding member of the English Hellfire Club in London. Okay. Um, so he sold the land, he inherited it from his mother and sold it very soon afterwards to William Connolly. Uh, William Connolly then built the hunting lodge on the top of Mount Pellier Hill. Right. And uh, four years later, William Connolly died. Uh, now, as we know, he, he pulled apart the tomb, the passage tomb that was at the top of the hill to build the, uh, the Hellfire Club. Um, and they could have literally built it anywhere else. He owned all the land from Raffarnham Castle all the way over to the Wicklow Mountains, a huge amount of land, uh, and he could have built it anywhere at all, but he chose that one particular spot. Probably just um, out of spite, being like... Yeah, I think it, 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 it's... This was the Enlightenment era, so this was like the age of reason, the philosophical movement of, you know, we don't believe in God, we don't believe in, you know, really organized religion, and it was kind of hitting back against against that. that right. That's what people generally think about Connolly's uh, motives in it. The, the Dublin Hellfire Club was then founded in 1737, so about a decade after William Connolly died. Um, and it was really nothing to do with William Connolly himself. He wasn't a member. He wasn't associated with, with the Hellfire Club. They founded their, themselves in uh, a pub in Temple Bar in Dublin City Centre, uh, which is actually the same family place for the United Irishmen. It's now a Quakers Hall in Temple Bar. And it was founded by a man by the name of Richard Parsons. He was the Grand Master of the uh, Freemasons in Dublin. Okay. Uh, and he founded the, the Hellfire Club. Uh, he is known for writing a book called Dionysus Rising. Now, Dionysus was the Greek god of uh, fertility and festivity and orgies and yeah, everything else like time. that, right? Yeah. And he loved this idea as part of an, a man of the Enlightenment himself. And this is where the whole thing of devil devil worship really comes into into the idea of the Hellfire Club is that blasphemy was a, a significant thing at the time amongst those upper echelons of, of society in, in, in wealthy Dublin uh, because it was the Enlightenment era. People were looking to hit back against organized religion. And one of the things that some people would dabble in was just intentionally being blasphemous. So it, it wasn't even necessarily being like, oh, let's go up here and have a proper sophisticated mass, like a ritual for the devil. It was more just going up, let's shit on whatever religion we decide today. Well, well, that's the thing that people ultimately don't really know. You know, we don't know what the actual motives were. But if you look at what Richard Parsons said, what he wrote, he was a, a militant atheist, effectively. You know, he, he was opposed to organized religion and the idea of there being a god. 
Um, and part of the aspect of that was to indulge, overindulge, basically look at all the sins, the Ten Commandments, try and break as many as you can, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, that was just the, the lifestyle. But the, the other member that I think is quite important of, of the Hellfire Club, so Richard Parsons founded the Hellfire Club. Uh, the other member I think is quite important is James Warsdale. James Warsdale is the only member of the Hellfire Club that uh, isn't a nobleman, doesn't have a title. He hmm. isn't an MP or a lord or anything like that. He's just Mr. James Warsdale. And he was an artist, uh, not a very good artist. Uh, <laughs> he's generally referred to as a con man, a fraud. Uh, he made his money from gambling and uh, <laughs> and uh, he 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 was over and back between London and Dublin quite a bit. He's not listed as a member of the English Hellfire Club, but it's generally thought that he might be the link between the two in the in the seventeen thirties. So the club, as I said, was founded in seventeen thirty seven. The other member that I think is important to discuss is a man named Henry Posnaby. Now he was a an MP, a member of Parliament. Uh, for what an area called Fettered, uh, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was a, a constituency in Wexford. Now, he lived in Fettered Castle, which was the next building up from Loftus Hall okay. in, in, in Wexford. Uh, his sister, Anne Posnaby, married into the Loftus family, and his sister's uh, granddaughter is Anne Tottenham, Anne Tottenham, who allegedly had an affair with the devil uh, in Loftus Hall. So that's, that's a second connection between the Loftus family and, and the, the Hellfire Club. The other member that I think is quite important uh, of the Dublin Hellfire Club is Henry Barry. Uh, he was Lord Santry. He was the Lord of Santry in, in North Dublin. He was a, a member of the House of Lords, the, the Irish House of Lords. And he is on record as being known to have killed two people. Um, he wasn't didn't do it in, in the line of duty or anything. He wasn't a soldier. He murdered uh, two people. One of those people, the first murder that is on record, is one of his chairmen. So they, these people were so rich, people to carry them around in a chair. So we had oh. four people oh. like this, like on their shoulder. <laughs> carrying I them thought around. you meant like a uh, like one of admin. his members of parliament, like you know, below. <laughs> that used to carry him um, around and he he's on record as there's different accounts of the story but it's generally thought that either way this man was soaked with alcohol and lit on fire uh, and the other members of the Dublin Hellfire Club were present at the time because it was one of their meetings they would meet as uh, before they moved to the Hellfire Club in the Dublin Mountains, they would meet in uh, just off Fishamble Street, which is behind Christchurch. That part okay. of Dublin at the time was called Hell. Uh, it was called Hell because one side of the road going into the into that part of Dublin was had a statue of um, an angel. The other side of the road had a statue of the fallen angel, uh, Archangel Lucifer. Michael. Oh, yeah, sorry, Lucifer. Sorry. Yeah, and. Uh, the other statue, the statue of the angel, fell over, was done away with. So there was only a statue of Archangel uh, Michael. So people called it area hell. Right. And that's where they chose to meet. Sometimes they were in, in a tavern uh, on that street. And, and that's where this murder took place. If I'm, I'm, I think I'm right, because I was reading about this area 
uh, for another topic. Um, so this area was obviously called hell, but it was like a fucking, like just another uh, like heathenous place, right? Like it was full of brothels and like that, like just nasty taverns and stuff. So what were all these like people who were obviously exactly hugely wealthy like you know what i mean yeah. that they had people carrying them around on fucking chairs exactly what were they I doing meeting here like yeah sarah's gonna touch touch on that later as well okay okay I suspect cool. it's because they could get away with um whatever they wanted yeah it's kind of like the tunnels of edinburgh was like yes all the all the criminal people will go there and that's like the prime time pla- the like perfect place to get away with things that right. you wouldn't want other people to see and so this is probably where uh like james warsdale that am i saying that right james warsdale he probably came into play here like being the link between the say like the underground and the yeah. um the high and mighty that's really fucking cool yeah yeah um one of the accounts of that story also is that they that he poured alcohol of some kind into this man's throat and until he couldn't swallow anymore so it literally filled up inside him and then they lit the fire from the inside out that's one of the accounts as well so pretty pretty gruesome uh, and it was just for fun as well and um, the the second murder that's on record and this was quite a high profile case at the time was the murder of a man by the name of Lachlan Murphy so Henry Barry was with um, some friends drinking in a tavern in Palmerston in Dublin. At the time, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was a really <laughs> rural area in West Dublin. And he uh, was in the duel with a man. And this man ran away from the duel. And Henry <laughs> Barry ran after him. <laughs> kind of Benny Hill style, right? <laughs> and... Uh, he ran after him into the back room of this tavern and he couldn't find the man. So he stabbed the first person he saw uh, with his sword. Jesus. What the, fuck? the man he stabbed was a, um, an employee of the tavern. He was a worker there and uh, he killed him on the spot. Uh, he threw some money at the, the person who owned the tavern and he left. He went on, on the run and uh, he uh, was later caught um, and arrested. Uh, at the time, he was a member of the House of Lords, um, but he was charged with murder. And there was a trial before the House of Lords, um, and he was sentenced to death. Uh, so he's the only peer, peer is Lord or he- member of the House of Lords, okay. to ever be sentenced to death uh, in, in either Ireland or England. Wow. He... Uh, he it was it, it was um, remitted he didn't have to serve the, his time he didn't <laughs> he did, wasn't killed by the state he uh, essentially what happened was the judges uh, or the lords that oversaw the um, the trial immediately turned around and petitioned the king to save this man's life and uh, one of the stories about it potentially is that the um his uncle owned land in a part of Dublin where a river came in and it was quite an important river for, for water supply. His uncle had threatened to turn to, to block the river so that he'd turn off the water supply to, to Dublin effectively um, if they didn't remit the sentence. Um, that's just, I don't know if that's 100% true or not, but that's just one of the stories that are said about, about Henry Barry. So all four of those people were members of the Dublin Hellfire Club. They hung out 
gambled whatever it was that they were doing yeah. on the top of Montpellier Hill uh, with um, uh, where where all these legends and myths have come out of that the devil showed up to play again the cards. Mm-hmm. All of these uh, these legends came out of the, of these four people and their friends. Um, th- there seems to be a gap in the historical record from there on. But in 1784, it picks up again. So we're talking about 40 years later, yeah. different generation. Um, and here, some high-profile people are associated with, with, the, uh, with the Hellfire Club again. Uh, it's felt that they no longer met in the building at the top of Mount Pelier Hill, and they moved down, to, down the bottom of the hill to the Stewart's House, uh, which is a small house at the, at the foot of the hill. Which is um, now a, like a tea room and a cafe. Yeah, that you, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it's just closed down. Actually. Oh, so, what? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, when did it close down. It's they've been closed since the beginning of the pandemic, and they just unfortunately haven't. They just can't keep it. Ah, oh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. That's been happening a lot. Mm. Yeah. Now, Sorry. one of the members at that time was a man named Thomas Buck Whaley. You might have heard the name Buck Whaley. He was a famous um, adventurer, traveler, go all over the world. At the time, people couldn't really go much further than their own immediate area, but this guy yeah. managed to get to Jerusalem and further afield. Wow. Um, and uh, wrote wrote books about his his, his adventures that are quite popular. Um, another person who's alleged to have been a member is James Napper Tandy. Um, both Book Whaley and Napper Tandy have pubs named after them in, in Dublin. That's what I was thinking. I definitely yeah. recognize the Napper Tandy, all right? Yeah, yeah. And then Napper Tandy, he was the lawyer for the United Irishmen. So after the rebellion in 1798, he represented the United Irishmen uh, at trial. And his daughter uh, would start a relationship with Robert Emmett. Robert Emmett, who was another uh, Republican revolutionary, was killed by the, by the British Army after a failed revolution in 1803. So these are quite well-known characters who mm-hmm. in the 1780s were alleged to have been part of um, part of, of, of the Hellfire Club. Uh, and it's at that time where one of the stories about uh, a, a daughter of a local farmer going missing uh, emerges as well. So it's believed that potentially she uh, was present at a meeting of the Dublin Hellfire Club and, and lost her life as a result so regardless of whether this was like let's just say for the sake of this right now that she was taken to the hellfire club and she never made it back out regardless of whether this was in some you know satanic ritual quote um or whether it was just a load of rich douchebags having their way and doing whatever and maybe they took it too far regardless it's still Pretty involving sick. murders yeah up in this yeah. house like yeah yeah well i mean that, yeah that's like what carl said it's like the main idea was just to intentionally do break commandments and mm-hmm. do all this sort of shit yeah yeah which i think is kind of funny because it's like let's oppose religion by being the exact opposite of religion what religious what religion tells us not to do so mm-hmm. you're actually still following a guideline yeah, yeah. you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, so dumb. yeah exactly yeah yeah and they try and out each other i imagine like you know yeah <laughs> i'm yeah, more yeah. gruesome fucker than you are like, yeah you know? and so another thing like 
because I'm just kind of obsessed with this idea of modern government being just a bunch of pedophilic reptiles. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure there was a lot of that kind of carry on as well in this, like where, well, you're of whatever status and I saw you with this child or doing whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I also had relations with the child, but I'm going to tell them first if you, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of that is still going on today, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the rich and powerful tend to just get away with things. I think this is yeah, a classic yeah. I mean, they have their own fucking history. island to go yeah. do dumb, gross shit. So it's like essentially <laughs> uh, like an Illuminati type club. Yeah. Just 300 years ago. And local. Well, well, yeah. When you think, I mean, I don't want to get into There is a lot of conspiracy around it. But yeah. I mean, the founding member is the grand master of, of the, the Freemasons. If the building was if the land was previously owned by the founding member of the english hellfire club um, and there's multiple connections there as well and then if there's connections with the loftus family and loftus hall and the speaker of the house of commons you know some really big names mm-hmm. uh, you, you know you do wonder was there anything else there you know what i mean is this organized and how deep did it go who else was involved you know, because they don't keep records. There's no records of these. Yeah, well, of you know what? Not. Like maybe all these things that they were like supposed to like, like real scandalous things that they were doing were just really smoke screens to sort of cover up like truly devious things and connections that were going on. Oh yeah, I mean? like weird trade deals and stuff yeah. going on. Like how they were just fucking over the locals, mm-hmm. but the locals yeah. are so busy talking about. Yeah, like you know, oh, did you hear about the devil going? To, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like. Like, That's which is basically what happens now in media. It's like, oh, let's sensationalize. Um, One thing. and Yeah. Like, yeah. let's sensationalize or, or like, let's, I guess, uh, fill, like, society's eyes with, like, something stupid and irrelevant, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so that we can cover up what, like, it's an actual. An oil spill. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. Or, like, an, what the actual government, which is not really the government that we see, you know, it's like. Mm what they're doing yeah so what like basically at what point does it stop being a boys club and does it start like affecting the the masses like yeah you know what i mean yeah 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 well that's interesting actually because i do think it was kind of that idea might have been inverted in the later incarnation of the hellfire club in the 1780s where there was a brewing revolutionary movement starting in in, in dublin at the time and the association of, of being a part of the club was thrown at uh, Napper Tandy in, in some journalistic piece um, and at Buck Whaley because they started talking about things about, you know, giving more rights to the Catholic population of Ireland and, you know, about greater redistribution of wealth and more, mm. you know, democratic powers for Ireland and freedom from Britain and, and these kind of questions. And they were there was an attempt to dirty their names by saying, well, these guys are you know, members of the Hellfire Club, they're sharp right, and, right. and all this yeah. kind of thing. So it was an attempt to dis- discredit them, but it was kind of a conspiracy in the opposite way. They were saying, well, look at all the revolutionary activity that is taking place in these circles, you know, as a way to, to, to entirely discredit them, you know, as opposed to look at all the, in the, in the earlier incarnation, look at the rich and powerful getting together, you know, right. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no spotlight shone on them to show that but had we had if there was proper journalists around in the 1730s yeah, maybe that might have happened um uh, but yeah it's interesting 
Yeah, Jesus Christ. Well, that was... I enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm very impressed, girl. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> job, like, girl. seriously. Like, not for the podcast, you know. Okay, guys, that's what Carl had to say about what he's learned about the Hellfire Club in recent history, anyway. One thing I will say as well, if you're getting confused as to why people keep using the name Lynchy, that's what my friends have called me for years and years and years. So Lynchy is Adam. Don't panic. Anyway, moving on, we're going to hear from Sarah next. And she's going to fill us in on just more of the general deeds of the Hellfire Club members themselves and and yeah, so let's let's get stuck in. My kind of stuff is what the Hellfire Club were apparently up to. So I found some kind of online accounts, not online, you know, they were Irish cults and stuff, <laughs> but I found them online. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one of the articles I found was in a broadsheet and it was entitled An Ample Discovery of the Damnable Cable, commonly known as the name of the Hellfire Club. So this letter was purporting to be from a member of the Hellfire Club called Moloch or Morlock, whichever way you want to pronounce it. And basically this article was portraying the club as, and I quote, a diabolical cable of sexual excess and deviancy. Okay, so this was um, published in 1737 or 1738, one of those years. So that was so right basically at the beginning this, of it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty interesting. So apparently it's giving the initiation procedure for the Hellfire Club, oh. which is pretty interesting. So the procedure was overseen by Pluto or the Grand Master of the club, whoever that was, Carl, filled us in on that. Um, and before becoming a member, you'd have to swear an oath to Pluto as well. So what they had to say was, I promise to abandon all that is called good by silly priest red fools and also... Let nothing share the least part of my favour, but what is solely urged by my most vicious and libitious desires. So basically, you know, they're, it's all just going back to this idea of their sexual desires and kind of that's what the Hellfire Club, Club was. It was just, you know, sexual deviancy and doing whatever we want, crime, all the fun stuff thrown in. Yeah, because like not to just throw names at it or enter randomly, but it does sound an awful lot like, say, Alistair Crowley's beliefs. And his behavior as well, like, I'm going to have to look up what years he was active. I know it was well after this, but... Yeah. But that's what I've always viewed it as myself. It's like kind of an early version of that, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. Because cool. it was about rejecting the church and knowing to do with religion. They're all atheists. So we actually found out, out that um, there was another club at the same time. And it was all to do with kind of Greek and Roman history, art, architecture. And most of the members in the Hellfire Club were also members of this club as well. So it's kind of like the precursor to the Hellfire okay. Club or more friendly yeah, face. Because another thing that's interesting, because that's what I was thinking with the name Pluto and then yeah. um Carl. And then I was only reading an article actually about the Ku Klux Klan mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, the day before. And they theorize now, I don't know how intelligent any of these people are <laughs> in that, but... The name Ku Klux came from the Greek, like Ku Klux or Koklus or something like uh-huh. that, which just literally meant circle. Uh-huh. The author, in fairness to him, did say like 
regardless of how intelligent these founding fathers were of the KKK. Mm-hmm. Like, just look at every other kind of brotherhood, like fraternity in the States in particular. And the first thing they do is put like Alpha Pi Omega. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so like this mm-hmm. all kind of mm-hmm. does, there is that like correlation, I guess. Mm. Sorry, Sarah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So basically, this article was also saying that when you become a member, like after that, after that initiation procedure, you immediately get all your boundaryless wish, wishes and desires as well. And again, that goes back to the whole idea of it was just a weird sex club yeah. as well. So I found out some of the activities that were apparently going on as well. Yeah. Such as sacrificing a maid. Now this can be taken either way. So it's again going back to well, did they commit murder? Because Carl said that there was was it oh farmer's daughter apparently went missing. Yeah. But yeah. the other way you can view this idea of sacrificing a maid could be taking a virginity if you want to look at it in that. Right, right. Um, also, apparently, one of the activities was the admission of a Molly. Now, a Molly was actually an effeminate man or a homosexual man. Okay. So, again, this is going back to the kind of sexual deviancy. Wait, so, wait, wait, wait. So, they would do what now with Molly? <laughs> they just, it just said that they'd kind of include him in the club. So, and so they're like, like, they do, so now they could be riding him, they, they could be murdering him. Who knows? But he was. For both. Or, but they, <laughs> Molly's, Molly's. <laughs> were allowed in though. That's what they're saying. Like they, there's. No, they'd find a Molly and bring them in. Yeah. Oh. They were they not like official members. Long-term members. So it could just be a. Like tools. You're as a phone type thing. <laughs> yeah. Well. So like, okay. So you had mentioned that as soon as they were initiated, that they, like their wishes would come true. So would that mean like the agenda of the next meeting was like, okay, um, Larry, what are all the things that you've always wanted to do? Okay, okay, guys, we're all going to do what Larry's always wanted to do. Yeah. Or is it just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, was it tailor-made for these new people? So it could be anything from, like, I really, really want a balloon party. Yeah. To get me a small brown boy. Yeah, like, I've no always hair. wanted to try, you know, couscous. Yeah. Everybody, let's cook couscous. <laughs> No, well, it doesn't specifically say that, but in my mind, that's what it could be. So yeah, okay. it definitely sounds like though. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. <laughs> my wife never lets me have this. <laughs> We're a pretty open club, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, another private reference is um, female acquaintances. Now, they're kind of alluding to the fact that they were sex workers or upper class women that they just kind of encouraged into the club for a little while and then pushed them back out after they're used. Yeah. It's quite interesting. But if you look at where the Hellfire Club in the early days, um, was it Eagle Tavern? The Eagle Tavern. The Eagle Tavern. That wasn't too far from Smock Alley, which is where all the brothels were in Dublin at the time. Okay. So it would kind of make sense for you know, the activity to be quite close to that location. But um, yeah, so they also said that like upper class women, even though it was generally a no-go area, to help our club they were and i quote fair game that was a term they used that was a term they used i didn't realize that was a term back then but they're fair game and also there was a lot of violence which we knew anyway but so the members engaged in violent activity especially lord sandry 
um, Laura Santry was noted as being prone to sudden and unpredictable acts of aggression. So he was the lad who apparently filled the other lad up with whiskey and oh, set him on fire. This and is there's he Henry Barry. as well that they were just watching him burn and he was just like, you know, crying out in pain. Fuck. That was Lord Santry. Mm-hmm. And Santry is also said to have put a notch on his pistol um, to mark each deed of blood that he carried out. And dramatic. he also bribed yeah. witnesses so that it never went any further. But apparently this is something to happen on the regular. Like this lad would just go on absolute benders. You know, raping, yeah. pillaging, shooting everyone. That was his thing. And then he'd just throw a big ball of money and walk and out. And he'd get away And then generally it was just kind of seen as a social protest against a conservative and highly controlled social environment that prevailed in the 18th century. So it was all again just kind of rebelling against the church and against the government, even though a lot of these members would have had links to government if we're not in it. Yeah, and probably the church as well, seeing as they were both like hand in hand back then, right? Yeah, and I found another interesting point um, that... The lad who owned the Hellfire Club, like on Mount Pellier Hill itself, so that building. Um, so after Connolly, Charles Cobb owned the Hellfire Club building and he was the son of the Archbishop of Dublin. Which would now, have been the Protestant the only... Archbishop, right? Sorry? The Protestant Archbishop, so him being It would have been at the time, yeah. Right, so that wasn't like any outside, like affairs or anything they're allowed to get married no no that was, that was saying this is all of a force and interestingly enough as well charles charles cobb is the only recorded debt on mount pellier hill and that was in 1751 now there's kind of mixed reports on how he died some people are saying it was of a fever other people are saying he was shot but it's kind of left all open-ended as well so and so did he actually live up there as well, like in the building yeah. or separate? He lived up there in the building and after his death, that's when it went to ruin. So that was in 1751. Right. So really and truly, it wasn't active as the Hellfire Club for very long then? No, no not really. And it, then it just, it fell to shite. So it was... It's kind of petered out, yeah. So built in 1725 and what, by 1751? Yeah, it was just kind of left to itself. And like, so what's interesting, well, to me, what's interesting about that, like at this time, like other major Irish hotels, even like that are still standing today, like, for example, the Kalini Castle, um, that big one in Salinogan, what's the name, or Stillorgan rather. Montrose. The Montrose, yeah. Like those buildings were almost as they are now and functioning in these years, like. I think Kalani Castle was like 1744 or something that was mm-hmm. built. So like, what did this place look like even back then? You know what I mean? It wasn't, it was hardly like a fucking palace that all these yeah. high and mighties were going up there for their, you know, boning or whatever it was they were doing up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So. Well, it's, what I think is also interesting is that after that, the 1750s, when they kind of fell to ruin, people there's reports that people went up to take things from the Hellfire Club because there was still nice tiling, nice stained glass, you know, there was, there was things inside the place, furniture, and there's reports that people from the local area took those things and brought them to their own homes to furnish their own houses. And there was a, another building built down the hill um, called Carty's Castle. It was called Dolly Mount Lodge at the time. And that was built by Henry Loftus in the 1760s, 1770s. 
and it said that a lot of the uh, interiors from the Hellfire Club was used to build that as well. You know, so and it's that interesting. Was, that was actually by one of the Loftuses again. Yeah, it's like all yeah. that is still going on. Like they and, have their hands in so many pies. Yeah, yeah. like that's. Well, the land I, went straight back to them in the 1760s. So it's just a really small window of time that it went from Philip Wharton from the English Hellfire Club for like a year mm-hmm. to William Connolly, who died a few years later in a really young age, uh, to his wife, who just held it on trust. You know, she had no involvement at all. Yeah, yeah. But it was her that signed the lease, apparently, with the, with the Hellfire Club when they t- took out a lease on, on, on the building, you know. So that's really... And then, so it just spent 200 and... 50 years just sitting there looking ominous and growing all this these horrible stories like yeah and yeah. like now it's tech like kind of still a place of i wouldn't say debauchery but it's Near almost like an anything goes place like kids go up there for parties assholes like us go up there to go ghost hunting i can't imagine know? a party there that's crazy yeah or like you know, it's also just a nice place to take your kids on a Sunday afternoon because there's a killer view of Dublin City. Like, and mm-hmm. it's like, why is it still there though after all these years? You know what I mean? Why wasn't it torn down? Why is it being kind of preserved now? Like, yeah, I think it's because people were afraid because all of these kind of myths and legends were around even back then. Like, the time the Hellfire Club, there was always those rumors oh, the devil appeared there, and there was a fire in that building. And people always related it to that story. So I think, for the most part, because of those stories and the fear people had, they stayed away. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. preserved it. Which I'm sure was, like, um, you know, done intentionally by the people at the time as well. Like, oh, don't go up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what goes on in that house? <laughs> but, like, or or don't look that way when you're crossing the street. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. shit like that. And then, for me as well, like, so we've all had experiences up there that were definitely couldn't be explained by us anyway, paranormal or, or not. So it was still built with this old passage grave material. So like it has to harbor some sort of ominous energy. Like I'm thinking at this stage, is it a gigantic, like what's the word, tulpa? Um, what is that? Like Slenderman basically. Oh. You know what I mean? Like something that's just been created out of nothing, but now is an actual real thing that people are afraid of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like when you think about it, like. So do you think that's what's preserving it now? Yeah, like almost like, well, that was a good point. Like that Sarah made, like, yeah, people are just afraid of it or were anyway. Whereas now it is just a local hotspot and it's a place to go and have a nice picnic. I wonder if if there's been... If there have been people who are like, you know what? Well, who owns the land now? It's public. It's public land. So, like, um, can anyone people? buy it? <laughs> like, if someone no, you can't, you can't buy it. no, it'd be like, uh, like Kickerillo Park. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, th- is that why no one will, or like? Well, now, yeah. Like, so the government maintain it and make sure that it's safe because okay. so many people go up there. Like, oh, I like, see. I often see like posts on Instagram from like people that I've worked with and they're just over at the Hellfire Club on a Sunday and mm. it's just to, to give their kids something to do like their yeah. their infant children like yeah take them out for a bit of fresh air or whatever mm. yeah, it is a nice wooded park you know it's a lovely 
open wooded area up yeah. the hill. It's an easy hike. It's an easy hike. People yeah. go exercising yeah. up there and there's lots of deer around and stuff. And then just yeah. at the top is this clearing and it's just this mad looking really building. Ominous. Where people like to go to do satanic rituals at the weekend. That's the, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like, even if it's not necessarily satanic rituals, it's definitely like a place where teenagers can go and drink and not get in trouble yeah. with yeah. their parents or do whatever. Um, I don't think I've ever been in there and there's not like evidence of some sort of fire within oh, yeah. it. Yeah. You know what I mean, just people burning their rubbish or anything like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think that's definitely like, basically what I'm saying is, do you think all the negative energy that was put on the place, like uh, subconsciously has now created this almost entity that is the hellfire club? Like, you know, Imagine. 270 years later. Yeah, intentions. Like, it's just... And now whatever is in there is just a result of this now. Or, as we were saying, it could be something from the current that was on that spot that Amy was talking about. Because um, that's what a lot of people actually thought at the time of the Hellfire Club was the devil appeared. Not because of what they were doing there. That just kind of added fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the devil arrived there because he wasn't happy with the current being disturbed in the first disturbed, place. yeah so it's interesting that even back then that's what people thought so that was sarah yeah um well sarah and carol as well and what like this only really occurred to me as we were having this interview um tulpas just kind of popped into my head my understanding of a tulpa um I think one of the definitions is a thought form energy ghost. Mm. Okay. You have an actual definition there though, right? Yeah. It's uh it's an entity, you know? Yes. Why are you laughing? And you just seem really salty. <laughs> <that> oh. <laughs> I sometimes I can't control my sass. Uh so I <laughs> my understanding is that a tulpa is an entity that has its own thoughts and emotions. Uh, think of an independent imaginary friend. Um, only you can see or hear and you've conjured it up. Well, I mean, I use the term imaginary friend very loosely. Yeah. Mm. And like for me, um, the, the only reason why I even know about this is because of the Slenderman killings. Mm. okay remember the the or sorry the well the attempted slenderman killings remember the two little girls took their friend into the woods yeah and stabbed them so the theory behind this is like obviously we all know slenderman's not real mm. we know the person who created it and like it was he made the picture for a competition a photoshop competition like mm-hmm. years ago and made up this little story to go with it but from then on this story grew and grew and grew and kids were genuinely afraid of it and at what point does it become you know a fairy tale or a myth to oh shit maybe yeah you know and then i can see that i mean people that that's a whole thing about manifesting these are things that you manifest a tulpa is something that you manifest exactly and like so what they say is is slenderman now this like thought form energy ghost tulpa because he kind of in a way did cause those 
two young girls who are so young at this stage to have been manipulated by the fear, mm-hmm. you know, or one of them maybe used that to manipulate yeah. the other, blah, blah, blah. But is this a similar story now with the Hellfire Club? Was it just a regular, like, fucking building on top of the hill that just these stories of fucking debauchery and mayhem and murder? Yeah. And, like, did those stories grow bigger and bigger and bigger? I mean, I I personally think that that place is just a black hole of just negative energy you know and i think um anything under the umbrella of negative like thoughts and emotions or ideas whatever i think those kinds of things can get to any person can plant themselves into any person in their weakest state you know or just a weak-minded person in general and it will fester there and it will grow into something that would make the human that it's inhabited do and say just ugly things they you know what i'm saying yeah yeah. it's almost like these things um possess you and make you release um more negativity into this world it's almost like um like a rolling stone like like you're uh you you have now become the factory in which to put out more bad things into the world does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and I think that's what this place is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that when I said, "Do you think that this is a tulpa now?" I th- like, or maybe whatever is in it. Yeah, absolutely. Has been created. Yeah, I of think this. so. It it just like spreads its little black tentacles into anybody who will bite. Exactly. And brings yeah. them in. And now it's just growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's likely. Mm-hmm. And now. We're going to spread that fear and negativity even more by <laughs> uh, telling you guys what happened us when we went up there. So, enjoy. Secondary school or high school. And um, I had never been up there. Like, And through the scouts and stuff like that, we had gone camping close by because the scout camp site is like the next hill over or something like it's really close so anyway i'd never actually gotten there but i'd heard all of these mad legends and stuff and then so i had moved away and when i came back we all kind of became really close friends again and started going up the hellfire club like just like we were doing it like after work and stuff right like just for something to do yeah it was always just like yeah because it is a nice walk and it's like enough spooky to get your adrenaline going while still being moderately safe like you know like you're more afraid of oh shit like maybe there's a group of teenagers yeah like maybe there's like a group of kids up here like yeah up to no good or like just undesirables whatever like am i gonna get robbed when i get here Mm -hmm. or is it gonna be safe i didn't know it was a real place because the only time that i've ever heard the name hellfire club Mm -hmm. was when i was reading marvel comics Oh yeah, and then they're like, "Oh no, it's a real place," I'm like, <laughs> or a real club. Like, what? like that's crazy. Oh, yeah, like, do they have superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they basically did sexual superpowers. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway, so we started going up. Like, I remember one night, my two little sisters were with us and stuff, and we were just dicking around with that 
stupid app that I had downloaded um, that we spoke about in the Edinburgh episode. So that's a good timeline. This was all going on in and around that time. And then, so the first night we went up, I remember we got like, you know, random fucking words. And again, I think this was designed, this app was designed by like some dude from like Finland or something. So it has like a really small word bank. But one of the words that we got was like Mustang, remember? And we were like, how dumb is that? Like talking about a car, blah, blah, blah. But it was like small things that we had just been talking about. Like, oh, is this room a stable that we're in? And then it brings up the word Mustang instead of horse, blah, blah, blah. And again, nothing really happened while we were there that first time. It was just enough to scare my two little sisters and stuff. (laughs) So then we bought a small digital recorder to do some EVP work and go back up and play Zach Bagan. And uh, we were up there for a good time that night, right? That was the longest session we did. I think mm-hmm. it was probably about an hour and a half, maybe mm-hmm. an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah, easily. And so what we did was made sure the coast was clear, i.e. made sure there's no delinquents hanging around or whatever, <laughs> and went in and did just really long EVP sessions. Like We weren't doing like those little bursts or anything. Uh, we weren't trying to listen back. And I can't remember. Oh, no, sorry. I do remember. So... We would go into one room, do a really long session, stop, go down. We weren't actually getting anything uh, like tangible happening to us that night as far as we could hear or anything. And then we were in the bottom room and we're doing our, we had a, like a pendulum and stuff. Sarah was the only one that was getting any sort of reaction from our pendulum. And so uh, we were asking questions or whatever, like, you know, were you a woman and it was saying yes and blah, blah, blah. And as we're standing there, I see what looks like the shadow of a black cat, big old black cat. And in the recording, you can hear me go like, shush, 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 shush. <laughs> like, Carl, shut the fuck up or something. Like, And I was like, there's a fucking cat. And I was trying to like get my shit that I had in my hands together so as I could jump out through this window, which is at ground level. Like I wasn't, doing any like Tom Cruise shit or anything but like this was a cat and it was as if when it looked around the corner and saw me saw that I had recognized that it was there it backed off just the way a regular cat would do so I jump out the window I'm looking around and obviously I don't see a cat what I do find is this black garbage bag that has been like trampled into the weeds just outside so I, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, it was this. It had to have been this. And then I, like, pulled it out of the weeds or whatever. And we were all laughing. And it was like, oh, that was, you know, funny shit, whatever. But then when we got back, I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> that garbage bag wasn't making any noise. It didn't blow in the wind. It didn't do anything. Like, I had to physically... Yeah, that's what I was going to say if you pulled it out. Yeah, I had to, like, remove it from where it was. And as soon as I did that, you know, we went back in and we tried to start up again. And all we could hear was this fucking bag blowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think what's also interesting about that, and I don't know if we've talked about it, but um, there's also the other kind of legend or myth that about the Killikey cat. Mm-hmm. That exactly. it was cat that was near the Hellfire Club. They poured whiskey on it, set it on fire, thing died. But apparently 
people have been seeing a giant black cat in the area with like glowing eyes and there's even a portrait of it in the Stewart's house which is the building at the the bottom of Mount Pellier Hill and apparently if you turn that upside down yeah. it invokes this spirit of the the cat and yeah I just found it quite interesting mm. at the time yeah that happened yeah and I like me being I do try and say like no 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 it wasn't this and I really was trying to be like no it was just a black bag but the more I thought about it afterwards, the more I was like, I know what a fucking cat looks like. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I was also concerned, like, you know, I did know that there was this legend of the Killicky cat. Wasn't necessarily at the top of my mind at the time or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it, and even now, I am convinced maybe it was a real cat. Yeah. I don't know. But that's the thing you see like I was thinking that too well there's no houses for a long time up there like a long way away up there it's really is isolated in the middle of nowhere and there's nowhere for feral cats to go because they're not going to get their hands in any rubbish or anything like that it's not where and we don't have wild cats in the Dublin mountains yeah. uh, so you no, know I've lived I've lived in the area my whole life and I've never seen a cat up there you know. If you saw a cat up there, you'd think that somebody brought it there. You know, that's yeah, just it's... taking a cat for a walk in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the more I think about it now, I'm like, okay, maybe that was whatever this energy is up there giving us the response that we were poking at it for. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we go home and we review all of that footage. And again, it was like, I want to say November at this stage, October, November about october yeah yeah so it was getting dark out early so i'd get home and i was sitting in my other sitting room in my parents house listening to this like all the curtains closed and it was dark and shit and we got so much like what i would consider and what zach bagans would definitely call a class a evp (laughs) but the one thing i will say is like all very faint like we were hearing what sounded like people in the background people whispering really up close when because one of the things you would do will leave the recorder running in the other room while we were conducting our little experiments in the next room over or whatever and we heard the one that sticks out to me was just someone and it just sounded like they said like we want you or we want to or so you know what i mean something like that and then that like we got tons of you know because the place is constantly dripping from with condensation and stuff um stuff and we were like oh god is this you know just a puddle or is this because one of them blatantly sounded like the word kill mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when you said maybe it's just water dripping you're mm-hmm. like oh i can hear that too you know what I mean? so anyway that was the first night so did it did anything happen to y'all at home after your investigation at like or like that first mm-hmm. one after that first one, I don't think so. Not in my house, anyway. No, you guys? No. No, and I will, no, not that time, no. Yeah, and I will say as well, like, I I think I'm very closed off yeah. to a lot of this stuff or whatever. Like, like, I'm not a fucking medium or anything. Like, I'm not a sensitive or anything. Yeah. So anyway, a couple of months later, we go back. And this time it was January because I was only looking at the pictures in my phone because I'm going to have to try and release like put up some pictures of it um and this time we go back with amy and same thing again this time we get there there actually is a couple up there two like kids that are obviously you know thinking 
let's go up here and do whatever we want. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> but then when they see this group of in and around 30-year-old weirdos hanging around <laughs> at the rock. Um, and we, like, we said like, hello. Like, go up here and do jogging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they were like, we're not about this. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, once they cleared off, we went in to make sure that there was no one else hanging around. And this time it was totally different. The last time we were there, it felt like you were just sitting in someone's sitting room. There was no, yeah. no evil fucking presence or anything like that. It mm-hmm. was just completely regular. This time we went in, I think we were all a little... On edge. On edge and just excited. Anyway, after picking up so much in our like EVP sessions and stuff the last but time. What happened as well, on the way up, if you remember, we kept on thinking we saw someone behind us uh, with lights. Do you remember we kept on thinking we saw lights flashing yeah like on the path behind us so like the path is a winding path and when we get to one wind we look down below us to the to the path below us and it looked like there was torches flashing but we couldn't hear anybody flashlights (laughs) (laughs) and we'd stop (laughs) and we'd wait and then the lights would turn off and then we'd go again and it would happen again you know and then we're like right we just need to get up to the top and forget about that and by the time we got up there we were just kind of worried and concerned that there was someone following us and we were kind of a bit pent up a little bit as well you know but we got a chance to cool down once we were waiting for those teenagers to yeah we were having a joke about it and stuff and i'd forgotten all about that yes we were really like because again with this place it's not like it's in the middle of nowhere but it's certainly like you're not going to be able to run. isolated places yeah like you're not going to be able to run to a police station or even a, a, another house yeah so if you did get caught up there you you're in the middle of the woods for a while in the middle of the night yeah with no lights around other than the light from the city like i think it's worth noting as well that so obviously we felt we were being followed the whole way up but then when we were up there we were on our own like no one came up after us mm-hmm. so who or what were we seeing yeah mm-hmm that was pretty strangely yeah i don't i like i i've been up there once but i don't remember if there's any like um streets that you could like uh or detours that you know what i'm saying or is it like a just one um, road up kind of thing there is it there is another one but it would be very unusual if you're going up there that time of night okay. to go down that way because it literally leads to nothing yeah um, that's just like literally the well-beaten track uh-huh. and stuff yeah. as well you know um, and the way that the path works is it like a regular like mountain road it's steep so they've just built it like backing and forwarding on mm-hmm. itself so the more the higher you go up the more of the path that you can see mm-hmm. below you which didn't help us being freaked out you know what i mean because the more we got up the more we were seeing this and then we weren't seeing this light and then anyway we got up there and yeah you're right sir nobody actually came up mm-hmm so, so you, uh, that makes sense that you guys were on edge because it's like if you guys are being followed and then they hide, like say they were, you, you there was, somebody actually was following you mm-hmm. and hid, they obviously didn't have good intentions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so then there's the other side of it is maybe these people walking up kept seeing our torches, <laughs> our flashlights, and going, <laughs> who are these guys? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we reached Let's the top. turn back. Yeah. Like, so... But either way, yeah, we were very on edge from the get-go. And yeah, I get it, yeah. I think as well, it was like Amy's first time coming up there. Yeah. yeah. She'd never been. Oh, and we actually did the cleansing before we went up too. Yeah, we tried to do everything properly this time. Yeah. Um, And like, kind of protect ourselves, ground ourselves and all that jazz. Probably made things worse. 
maybe. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, from what I remember, we kind of went in and the layout of the Hellfire Club, again, it is pretty small. There's kind of the little hallway, a room at the very back that's quite small, and then two large sort of chamber rooms on either side on both floors. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, it ended up being me and Sarah and Carl and Amy went into like the room on either side, mm-hmm. checked it out, nobody there, whatever. And then we went upstairs, same thing again. And when we went into the back room, which wasn't a room that we had spent any time in the last, the, the previous times, mm-hmm. I don't think. In fact, we were, or I was anyway, like I couldn't remember that room being there. I remember you saying that at the time. Yeah, yeah. I remember that as well. Yeah. yeah, I was like, it was just real, you know, silly things like that kept happening. I was like, I'm, I don't ever remember this room being here, like whatever. But as soon as we walked in, me and Sarah both heard, like with our own ears, <laughs> something hissed at us. Yeah. Loud and angrily. And it stopped me in my tracks and I was like, that that's a bad sign. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think we should be here yeah and sarah was like no no no. maybe it was you know the rocks or something outside or whatever because mm-hmm. we could still hear carl and amy did that did that room in the back that y'all went to have a window in it yeah yeah and okay. so there was sort of a semicircle window at the very back which is where like that corner was mm-hmm. where this sound kind of emanated from uh-huh. and then there's two what i would call arrow slit windows on either sidewalk but we went over and there was nothing there. And like Ireland doesn't have snakes. Yeah. St. Patrick made sure of that. So it's not, like, you know, or <laughs> there was no cats up there either, which is the only other thing I could think of that would hiss at you like that. So straight away, I was like, I think that was the, the, the most uh, obvious paranormal thing that has ever happened to me. Yeah. Like just this big angry fucking hiss. So of course that's where we started our like our EVP sessions again or whatever. And again, this is just four people standing in the freezing cold, fucking talking to nothing. You know what I mean? But what I remember from that very first session was it constantly sounded like there was somebody in the doorway of the room because the whole the whole floor of this place is yes. just dirt yeah. and stones. So any footstep you make you hear mm-hmm. and we were going like we were saying you know is that just the, the water dripping or not and then it became more and more like obvious it sounded as if someone was standing there trying to see what we were doing almost or listening into our conversation or yeah you got to the point that i stood in the play in the corner of the room that i could see the doorway because i was convinced there was someone there so I, I did not take my eyes off that doorway the whole time we were in that room because i just couldn't it was like someone was shuffling or walking back and forth. You know, it started out with being like, seems kind of like there's someone out there to being like, yeah. someone is walking so out there, you know? We weren't getting anything happening to us other than this, but what it made us do then was go out that way where we were hearing these noises coming from and go into the next room and start up in there. And so we did. We started up in there and uh, now we start hearing these footsteps from the opposite room, the last room upstairs. Was anybody in that one? Well, it got to the point where we were saying, we need to go and check. Mm. So we picked up all our gear and we went into the next room. And then I think it could have been Carl. I can't honestly remember. 
someone said it's like it's getting us to follow it mm. it's and if that's what it wants we're giving it exactly what it wants mm-hmm. what it's asking for so as we say that we're in this final room upstairs mm-hmm. and again we're asking more questions we're hearing more footsteps and it's a lot more active than it ever was before and then we start hearing what sounds like a fucking bowling ball you mm-hmm. remember this mm-hmm. yeah yeah it sounded like someone was or picking up a rock mm-hmm. rumble a rumble yeah like a rock that wasn't quite perfectly circular so it would make noise like as it's Jones. rolling down like yeah literally <laughs> like indiana jones style shit but like back and forth back and forth downstairs wow. underneath us mm-hmm. and so i said to Carl, like come on like we need to go and check this out thinking oh we're the boys like let's go and look at this and then the two girls were like, well, you're not leaving us here. Like, that's like, even can I just say that, story, that was actually myself and you, Lynchy. And yeah, then we were like, come on, come on, Carl and Amy. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Carl and Amy, where those are you? Those footsteps were clear. It has to be fucking yeah. someone walking up those stairs. Because it was literally just like anyone going upstairs could be like my ma running up to me. Yeah, but... Is that, that bowling noise. ball? Yeah, it sounded like someone was moving something. Like furniture, furniture, like yeah, furniture being moved around. Like someone yeah. taking a rock out of the wall or something, you know? Yeah, and like to, for me, again, I will always try to be like, no, 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 it's this or it's that. This is the most fucking out there activity I've ever heard in my life. What about you guys? What What did you guys think whenever um, y'all heard this going on? Well, I remember just looking at Amy because she was on the opposite side of the, the room to me. And I, I thought it was just me that had heard it, you know, and you're kind of conscious that maybe not everyone is experiencing or hearing the same things. But as soon as I heard it, I saw Amy just go, like her hands out, her arms She's out. very animated. And, yeah. <laughs> and her mouth open, like she didn't say anything. You just like could see her acknowledging the same thing I could and then we all just went did you all hear that you know and everyone was like yes we heard the same thing you know it was like yeah it was like a big rumble you know and we walked out we went around we did a lap of the of the building and we shone our torches off into the distance we saw a pair of eyes in the distance but it was a deer (laughs) I remember I was like you sure it's a deer you know but i'm sorry one thing one thing i will say as well is right before we left the room to go and make sure because we were convinced like no no no, this is like a real life fucking human being like down there as we walked to the doorway i experienced my first ever cold spot and like up until now i just assumed that that was like one of those bullshit things that they spoke about in documentaries and movies or whatever but I remember saying, like, oh, my God, like, because it was already freezing cold. It was January. This place has no windows or anything. And you stepped into it and it was like, literally felt like stepping into a cold shower. Like, that's almost how it felt. Mm. But it wasn't like you could put your hand in and be like, oh, look, you can feel a person. It was just one huge, cold fucking like lump of air. And I remember mm. saying to everybody, like, oh, my God, put your hand here. And everybody felt it. And then we went and we did our sort of um, scouting of the area. Mm. And then once we finally got outside, like we were all hyped up. You know, like this was like terrifying. And someone again says, I think it might have been Amy. Um, well, if it wanted us to get out, like it tricked us into it. 
Yeah. Wait a minute. So I thought you guys went to investigate the noise. We did. Where was it? The noise was coming from downstairs. Uh-huh. So we ran downstairs mm-hmm. to see if this was a person. Mm-hmm. And there was no one there. So that's when we ran around the building. Oh, okay. I think we actually went like opposite ways and met in the middle yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like we were so convinced that this was a person because the footsteps were so real. Yeah. Like it, it was a person. So we get outside and oh. we're all standing. <laughs> the four of us are standing like in a line like looking back at the hellfire club like event it would have made for a really good like album cover yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know just these four shadows and carl you are so eager for us to go back in you're like come on like it's just getting warmed up and <laughs> from what i remember all three of us turned on you basically yes. and which how's that feel carl <laughs> <laughs> nothing new for carl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, what do you mean when, when you, they, 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 you know, everyone turned on him? We all started getting I, I really like, snarky. I, oh, I was actually snapping. From the moment we went outside, so like yeah. when we were leaving it, I was just like agitated, just like really, like the slightest thing Carl was doing, I was like, stop it, stop that. You know, like, yeah, just yeah. really getting on my nerves. Like, and you turned to me at one stage, Lindsay, and you had this face on you that I hadn't seen on you in like... <laughs> 10 years or more like this really annoyed face and you're just like you're really annoying me you know yeah. <laughs> you just said in a real loud voice you're really annoying me like and i was like what did i do <laughs> you know? but I, oh, no girl. but i do think i do remember apologizing though you did yeah, yeah i, I no, said like i'm sorry carl but yeah. <laughs> you're really fucking <laughs> <annoying."> <laughs> um but yeah so that's when we're all standing outside and looking in the fucking windows again and being yeah. like was this a person I look up into that same window where we had just left and felt that cold spot and that's where I see just this big black shadow but it was like a side profile and I saw a red eye and it just walked out the door like as if it was going back to the stairs and it was like it was looking at us Mm -hmm. it was as if I had caught him or it just after it had been standing there staring at us and walking out of the room. Mm. I caught him like just a glimpse. Interesting. And uh, I remember saying like much later on, cause I couldn't, I was like, didn't even believe myself. Like at this stage, yeah. I was like, no, like that couldn't have been. I mean, I was saying like in my head, what I remember is basically like, remember Darth Maul from Star Wars. Yeah. I was like, that's the face I want to keep putting on it. I was like, that's not what I saw. All I saw was just black. So, with this red eye. Like after all of y'all were like sort of at Carl, mm-hmm. uh, right after that is when you looked up and you saw like as if someone had been looking down on y'all. Yeah. Okay. I think that's interesting because it, you you see what you see where I'm going. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like he's this thing is looking at y'all, making y'all feel this certain way, mm-hmm. and then he walks away, and all of a sudden you guys are fine. Well, I don't know how like whether we were all pissed off before after or around but that anger stayed yeah uh, well i was angry till we got back to the house like till we left yeah and um for me it didn't last quite as long as that but the next thing we did was we all went back there's a big rock just outside but it's kind of off a little bit out of the way so it was like a neutral ground like that we would go back to chill out for a minute 
again, it was freezing cold. And Lindsay, I think, trying... didn't you have like a flask with you as well with tea in it mm. and we were all sharing I it? brought, yeah, but it was so it's hot. The drink. flask is too good. We couldn't actually fucking drink it. Literally. But anyway, so after a while, Carl convinced us because I was like, I saw this thing and I was like, no, that's it. I get it. Yeah. Like point taken. We're going home. Yeah. Um, and Carl convinced us to go back into this two sort of outer rooms. Mm-hmm. We call them the stables because we're just fucking guessing basically like you can't actually get into the main house from them they're literally like two doorways on the sides of the building yeah yeah yeah. um so anyway that's we went into the one on the right first Mm -hmm. right and this is where my memory starts to get a bit hazy because what i from what i remember we did have a spirit box yeah but again it was so noisy that we didn't like to have it on in case someone snuck up on us or whatever um but we did turn it on and off a few times in that stable. But every time we did, Carl, I remember, you were hearing people in the main building, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It felt like there was someone in there, like as in someone got an opportunity to go in after we had left. You know, it's like that we took our eyes off it for, you know, a few seconds and that meant that mm-hmm. somebody had appeared and was like was a hanging people. out. Yeah, it was like, a, like a, mm-hmm. maybe three people or something like just walking around talking in the same way that we were, you know. And I, we I had just thought been um, I heard the bowling be- ball noise again. I, I still thought people were moving stuff in that building, even though there was nothing to move. Yeah, it just felt like we weren't alone, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, big time. And I do remember because this spare box that we have again, like I had taken the antenna off it, and because you're up in the mountains as well, like literally, no um, interference comes through. Like it's just static. But every time Sarah, I think, picked it up, again, like nothing will happen. Nothing will work for me. But when Sarah picked it up, I do remember like a split second of what sounded like children. Yeah, it was just a, like a small boy. I forgot about yeah. that, actually. Yeah. yeah, and it was just enough that we all kind of looked at each other and, I, and it was gone again. Um, but something happened, I think, that's literally scared us out of that room again. I think it was the fact that Amy didn't want to go back in. So she was still standing outside. And I think she started hearing what we were hearing next door in the building. She could hear people talking. So we, as far as I remember, we went out because we thought someone must have got in there at that point. Mm. And then we checked again. Well, we didn't go into the building. Well, we could tell nobody was inside. We can see him. Uh, And then we went into the other stable then, at the other end. Yeah. Anything happened in the other one? We were, yeah, yeah. We were, to us it felt like nothing was going to happen, you know, it was like we were just there and... I will say to you, it felt like this. Yeah, I was not okay with it, like Lynchy, you were standing quite close to the door and I remember oh, yeah. saying to you, I want you to get away from that door and I actually tried to like pull you by the arm away because I just wanted to move you the fuck away for whatever reason. Yeah, I, was just, I did not feel good. Yeah, and so this is where like just we started acting particularly strange again like between snapping at carl and this weird placement of people in this little room so mm-hmm. this room is not is not like it's probably smaller than this bedroom like mm-hmm. and um i was stood at the door and i remember like turning around and just seeing you literally like hand out 
time to put me back in and i was like yeah and i was saying (laughs) (laughs) but right before you had even done that i had been thinking in my head like this is where i need to stand yeah this is my spot and then when you did that i said no 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 i have to stay here yeah 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 actually yeah and then amy had to move you have to come in i just didn't want you to yeah and then so carl was in the opposite corner and amy was in the uh, the last corner but she had actually been in halfway up the room and just started saying oh i need to stand down here yeah in the corner so we were literally yeah. like four corners of this fucking room i think sarah maybe you were like a little bit further i was more kind of in the middle because i was standing really quite close to you because i had you by the arm trying to pull you in like yeah. so right right so what happened next i started calling out I think, and I was like, because you were like, look, we're only going to do this for a minute or two, and we're, we're, then we're going, you know, and I, I think was, that's probably why I said it felt like nothing more was going to happen, because we had decided <laughs> we were going to leave, and we're kind of preparing ourselves to go, uh, and I was like, look, we're just not convinced that there's someone here with us, but please just give us a sign if you are here with us, just so we can be satisfied that we're not alone, and then we just heard, like, rubbish blown around outside, and what we thought was I, rubbish I, blowing around outside. I disagree with this statement. There was no wind that. No, night. no, that's what I'm saying. What we thought yeah, was rubbish okay. blowing around outside, but it was a Fanta can, a can of Fanta orange, <laughs> soft uh, drink, soft, soft drink uh, made by Coca Cola. Oh, we have Fanta. Fanta is an American thing. It's okay. <laughs> Soda can. <laughs> and uh, it's the 1950s now. Yeah, it was like it came over the wall there's a wall that is outside the stable room that used to go all the way out just like up 200 years ago used to go all the way and out had the little steps on it where people would like run up on their horse and they use little steps to get off their horse yeah, yeah. exactly oh. yeah yeah oh i didn't even think about that uh, uh, it was like as if a can got thrown over that wall or was on top of the wall and got knocked off the wall and we didn't think out of it at first because you know we just thought the wind blew a can around yeah but we, we did stepped. get scared though because we, we turned because it was just this noise and then we all looked and we we're like oh it's just a can thank you yeah god. exactly exactly and then we were walking out we we're like oh god that, that can really frightened us i think it was me that said but there's no wind mm-hmm. it was absolutely yeah. no wind it's dead quiet and where did the can come from you know because we the there was other yeah that's true and there was other rubbish around there like uh chip packets and stuff like that but um I'm trying to try you mean crisps. crisps sorry <laughs> Uh, other garbage around that area but like that like light things that should have blown in the wind yeah and this kind of like literally rolled right past them mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it was just after i had said please just give us another sign and we'll yeah. leave and we'll leave you yeah s- i remember you saying that when we left we got the fuck out of there we did yeah but there was like we had walked did a lap of that building inside and out we did not see that can anywhere and it wasn't windy. We got outside and realized it was actually probably one of the stillest parts of the night. Yeah. The wind had just stopped. Yeah. And because sometimes you can hear like, you'll hear like a motorbike or something drive past on the main road, even though it's a good distance away, but like dead silence. But another thing that I remember is when this Fanta <laughs> bullshit Phantom was Phantom. happening. Phantom the Phantom. Phantom yeah. Can, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. As you were walking, because that was me, I was like, no, 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 like, let's just go. So it was me, I think Amy was next to me, and you guys were kind of like lagging behind a little bit, 
But Sarah, you heard something growl in your ear. Back into the building because Carl was like, "No, there has to be someone here." So Carl went off and was walking around the back of the building again to check. And I, I was like, so? "I just yeah, for whatever." He was actually didn't find it weird at all. Yeah. He was really calm. The rest of us were really kind of agitated and heightened. So I decided, look, I'll go back into that room just to see for whatever reason. And clear as day, behind my head, another hiss, like the loudest hiss I've heard to the point that I turned on the stop on the spot I saw and run. ran to Lynchy. I didn't know what yeah. had just happened because I saw Sarah walking. I looked back, like that. I, I looked behind myself and I saw Sarah walking towards me. But then, like 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 that, Sarah just turned. 180 and just ran the opposite way and i was like what's going on are you okay you know she was like something just hissed in my ear yeah you know, it like, was in my right ear it was like just slightly behind me but just there and i heard it i was so loud like it was loud yeah so cool so then we all just i abandoned my idea of doing a recce in the area <laughs> to see if there was anyone there we just we just well, had, no, had it off. carl i actually remember you because you were so calm and you were like sarah come on like don't be silly yeah that kind of attitude you went to go back in and you had your 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 flashlight which is the one that you use is a full-on police mag light yeah and naturally that's just the way you hold it like on resting on your shoulder and you're looking in and you turn and all of a sudden you were just like nope okay come on let's go i did i did i went to walk back into the the stable on the the right hand side the opposite stable and just before i did i just had this the only time that night really barred hearing that rumble uh, I got this really really bad feeling and I thought I had seen a shadow at the window at the other end of the stable you know uh, and that just made me just want to go and I just <laughs> did exactly what Sarah did and then we we all headed down the hill but then what happened like a few seconds later when we got to the member you know we we're walking down the hill yeah we got to finally onto the the actual track yeah that brings yeah. it down yeah and just as we got onto the track, uh, my torch went flying. Do you remember that? My yeah. torch just did a full 360 out of my hand and it hit. You turned around and you were like, were you pulling my jacket? And yeah, I because said, this all happened at the same time. And I yeah. actually thought, yeah, that you, I thought Carl had reached out with his flashlight to like hit my hood. <laughs> but we were too far apart. Yeah, I was actually in between these both. You were on my left hand side up here, and the torch came flying down my right hand yeah. side. But you were definitely there was a, a, a Sarah width in between us, like you know. <laughs> Call me fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were lying on your face. <laughs> <laughs> You're crawling along like this. <laughs> so well, I yeah. think the torch actually hit you as it flew out of my hand. But I think you felt something tugging on your jacket, and the torch came unexplained. It wasn't. I I, I still think that it's just not possible. That so torch. that torch that you had, did, did it feel like it was getting pulled or just like kind of, you know how like when someone's holding something, you just walk by it? or maybe it's me because I'm an asshole. Like if someone's mm-hmm. carrying something, you just go like this. Yes. No, it was, oh, it was, it was like, like that. that. It was like, it was like you, you don't have a proper balance on it. You're holding the, the far end of it and someone uh-huh. else grabs the immediate other end of it and knocks it back. Yeah. 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 And at that same time, I felt what literally felt like someone slapping the back of my hood yeah um and it just happened to be the same jacket that i had been wearing in edinburgh when whatever it was in that, that graveyard wrong. something started pulling on my hood it just really loves your jacket yeah. i mean it's a stylish it's jacket. black as the night <laughs> so i think it's just you know 
Um, but yeah, so then that, that... walking back down that track now, this was we we're a good way down. We weren't near the bottom, we we're probably a halfway. Myself and Amy started hearing like party noises up the health bar club mm. or like screaming. And that made me walk a hell of a lot faster. We ran. We effectively we effectively we got down so fucking was quick. Almost ran down the hill. <laughs> or what kind of noises? Like a party noise or um, like a large group of people. Yeah. Like, oh, and screaming wow. as well. Hmm. Oh shit. But that was I, I think it was like weird. Those woods are strange, and there yeah. are said to be weird shit going on yeah. in there. Right? They're supposed to be um, haunted, not necessarily haunted, but they're supposed to be magic. A weird energy. Yeah, energy. Yeah. Yeah. And probably like, <laughs> like yeah, fairy haunted, shit probably. and all. <laughs> like fairy trees and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that? Yeah. 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 So just weird stuff. Um, but yeah, so then we finally get back down, and we're all crammed into Carl's car. And that's when Sarah said, um, oh, like my side is like really sore. Like my ribs are hurting me. And I was like, you know, all right, check that out when we go home. And you did. Uh, you had like the three main scratches and then literally what looks like a baby finger, smaller scratch slightly below it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was stinging that- as well. Like it was. Not sore, but it was just uncomfortable. They That's how red. I noticed it. Yeah. They were red. Yeah. It was like if it had been any deeper, it would have broken the skin. Mm. Yeah, and again, this was middle of the night uh, towards the end of January. And I was wearing five layers. No joke, five layers of clothes. And your, la- your top layer was a leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I had gone, I think, straight from work, so we were all padded up like because it was fucking freezing. So Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, but that's not the first time either that's happened to you, is it? I've been scratched a few times up there. Um, once before then, and then I think twice after. Because we've been up since. The latest time I had a scratch on my tattoo and it was actually bleeding. It was only when I got home I noticed it. And I thought, oh, maybe I caught it on a branch or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, I was wearing a hoodie the whole time. Like, pretty thick hoodie that I wouldn't have gone through. But yeah, yeah I yeah. keep getting... Having your hoodie, if it if it scratched you that deep, your hoodie would have been torn. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's no mark on it. So does this ever happen? Like, have had it ever happened to you when you were like at home? Like, like say you hadn't gone for a while, but it, so it's only connected to when you go over there. Yeah, like I've never felt anything at home really. Never experienced anything. It's just when I go up there, but. I love going up there to the point that sometimes I get like cravings to go back up. So I'll be like, oh, come on, Carl, let's go. You know, we haven't been in a while. Let's go up. Yeah. Because I just really love going up there, even though it's kind of creepy as well. You used to go up there by yourself, didn't you? Yeah, like, and as a kid, like, I grew up in the area, so my parents would bring me up. Um, You know, every time I'd have, like, friends over from different countries, it'd be like, you know what we have to do? We have to go up there. So I'd always bring people up. I love the place. Absolutely love it. But maybe there's an attachment there. I don't know, but I always get scratches. Yeah, maybe he just knows who you are. It's like, oh, look, it's Sarah. Let's scratch her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, oh, <laughs> it's Sarah, everyone. <laughs> you see, if you go up there during the day or even early evening uh, or late evening, like before, if once it's not like super late, dark. I think <laughs> once it's not really dark, uh, it, it doesn't feel weird at all. Like, you know, if you just still, you look down and there's loads of lights on below, you know, you can see lots of cars on the motorway, you know, it, it, it feels, it doesn't feel strange at all. Mm-hmm. But then and when it's later, like when we went mm-hmm. up, it's, you know, then it feels, it, it feels weird. Well, I, I always get yeah. the sense that you want to look over your shoulder even during the day just to make sure. 
And like my mother won't go in. Under no circumstances will she go in. She won't go up at night or anything. All right, well, thanks a million for all the research and all that you did. No worries. You just found a lot more than I would have. Yeah. Yeah, it was and, really good. Um, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah enjoyed it. Good. Right, guys, go on. Um, thanks a million. Uh, hey. <laughs> like, this is my first time I've ever been there before. And I've lived, like, my Sarah lives in Tala for, like, uh, like not half my life, but close enough to it. But still, the Hellfire Club was, you were in school, and someone was like, have you ever been up to the Hellfire Club? You'd be like, no, no, not happening, <laughs> no. So I remember you guys talking to me about it, and like that very nervous like spiritually nervous that something would attach itself to me or something like that but then it was just like you know what no we're gonna <laughs> do it we're gonna go up and see what it's like we're gonna protect ourselves before we go up everything's gonna be fine we got up there views are amazing um so I was happy to go with the flow because like that I was not familiar with the area whatsoever and yeah. trusted you guys to kind of you know obviously lead me in and stuff like that and show me where things were and everything so basically yeah it feels it feels weird up there it feels cold I don't know it feels weird but that could have just been me being just like I'm nervous or whatever so that's fine so yeah no we went in and Sarah seems to attract things up there so I was happy to stay kind of a bit away from Sarah (laughs) you know when we were going into rooms and stuff like that so it's also trying to be aware that you have to be as quiet as possible when this stuff is going on and it feels like your senses are heightened and it's like I might be able to see as well I can hear incredibly well like do you know and it's so quiet up there like Mm -hmm. it's so so quiet I mean you look out from the hellfire club itself and you see dublin and it's one of the most amazing views that i've ever seen yeah but it's so quiet and it seems to be kind of where we were it would move if that made sense like activity wise do you know what i mean yeah um you said i remember like stones being rolled yeah yeah because it's a bowling ball or furniture i think that's really interesting considering what she was just talking about yeah actually i never even put two and two together like the fact that they were taking the stone away to and there's also like a rumor that there was a standing stone used over the fireplace which would be the equivalent of like a grave marker say exactly yeah exactly so that was used in the fireplace which would have been in the room below where we heard that upstairs so like obviously from an archaeological perspective it wouldn't make sense that that's where that standing stone would be i know that you put like two two, which we never put together (laughs) it was just like you know it sounds like furniture been moved down there somewhere instead of what it actually was stone um no that's really cool and slightly terrifying because (laughs) one thing that always stuck out for me was when we walked outside and we saw the two deer So we saw the two deer at the edge. And when I looked it up after, like in Irish folklore, like deer are seen as fairy cattle and they're sent by like kindly people or kindly women. In some cases, she's called the goddess Fidei and she can shape shift into the form of a white or red deer. And they're seen as protectors. And when we were walking around after all that real creepy shit happened, there was like two deer just standing there staring at us. Yeah, because that's what what Carl (laughs) was talking about was when we were, because after all this noise had started happening, we were like, no, this is a person. We were convinced. 
hundred percent. Yeah, so we because ran someone down. was messing with us. Outside. Yeah, so that's when we kind of did like a little uh, circuit around the the building mm -hmm. itself, and it was counterclockwise just for the crash. Yeah, <laughs> not that we realized, but yeah. And then uh, that's when Carl shone his flashlight over there, and it scared the shit out of him. Remember, he was saying, but because yeah. it was just these eyes looking back at him. Yeah. But then it, it, they weren't there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it, it was after that, then we went back, and when we were standing in front of it, trying to oh God, that gather our bearings or whatever, I saw this shadow. Um, with red eyes with yeah just the one red eye it was like a side yeah. profile of his face whatever that was enough for me i was like no yeah. this is it let's go and then now i thought sarah also saw maybe not a shadow but something movement in one of the doors shortly after that and we were yeah. talking about how cranky we all were with carl like we were no, all... when are we not cranky with carl though? i know <laughs> <laughs> no carl no, yeah, so I actually remember, yeah. And it was, we, we just started acting strangely. Now, we were so hostile. We're yeah. There was like absolutely. a really hostile energy there that was coming, that was around, like that was us kind of. And it was just, oh, it was like thinking back on it now, it was just like fucking hell. I was so annoyed. And I have no idea why. Yeah. And um, that's when we went into the outer rooms. Yeah. And that's when the this weird Fanta came. But there was something else as well. Was there not a stone or something like that? There was like something moved before that. And then we went to the doorway. And then this can in the dead of night just rolled across like the yeah. front of the doorway where we were. And that's what didn't make any sense was the fact that it's, it's, it's not pitch black up there. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's lit from light pollution. Exactly. So you're there, you're seeing it. And there was no moon out that night either. So it was pretty dark out. And when we saw kind of, you know, like the light from the city and stuff, that's fine. But like when we were standing in that room and the, like the, I, there was like a stone, there's so much movement or something. And we turned around and we looked and we were standing there. And then the coke can just rolled across. And it was just like that had to have been moved by someone. Yeah. And like we were saying as well, when we heard this noise or whatever and we were all because it when we were in this room that's when like our us acting strange really like peaked oh yeah because i remember saying oh, i need to be stood here by the door sarah was mm -hmm. trying to pull me back in you were standing yeah. in the opposite corner saying no this yeah. is where i need to be all this weird yeah. shit yeah and then the can happened and we all heard it because there's no other noise but when mm -hmm. we saw the can we were like oh thank god like it's just a can yeah and then the realization Carl or someone gone. realized that none of this other rubbish was, was moving no. or anything like that so no. that was basically it and then that so sorry. so that's what happened but what did it look like through your eyes amy yeah sorry um so let's oh, bring it back to when everybody left the the vicinity right and they were just you guys were just looking back at the building mm -hmm. and you saw the side profile of someone did you see anything amy i thought i did you know i looked up and because like i thought i'd seen something and then i looked away i was drawn to it and then then she was just like oh, fuck like and he was proper <laughs> scared you know start yeah like i don't yeah. want to say start that's not what it was like it was more of a scare it was, you know it was just like no 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 done and like for him to tell me that he's done and straight away, I just felt this kind of like, oh, like horrible, 
horrible feeling. And when we were going back down the hill, we like we could hear screaming, we could hear shouting. Yeah, you. Uh, they like, mentioned that you guys had heard like there was people there, not just yeah. one or two people, but like a group of people. That's it. Um, yeah, like conversation, kind of like kind you know, like party like, noise. Yes. So yeah. like conversation, you know, people, all that sort of thing. So I think that's interesting that you guys heard party noise because weren't mm. these funerals sort of celebrations? Massive three-day at least celebrations back then, do you know? And they just you're yeah. celebrating someone's life and it's different. And still yeah. to this day, like there there is a saying that like an Irish funeral is the most fun you will ever have. Like, well, they, they still oh, yeah. carry on that tradition in Louisiana. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. amazing. They have funeral parades. Yeah, dancing in the streets, music. That's really cool. But when it comes to when we were talking about this kind of, you know, energy staying around when horrible things have happened, maybe energy can stay around where joyful things might have happened. Absolutely. In this yeah, case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely think so. We were talking about, I, I feel like we keep talking about the same thing when we're talking about the stench. Yeah, you know? the stone like, tape theory. Yeah. Dulce calls it the stink the of stink. a stench. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like if, if something stinks so bad, and, you know, you can wash the, you know, you can finally, you can clean and wash, but at, at some point the stench will permeate the walls and of the course. floors and the ceiling. It's, and it's just there. The Hellfire Club as well, because it has such a darkness associated with them, because people obviously took that darkness and ran with it over the centuries. Something they has to remain there. Like, Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they amplified it hugely by continuing and conducting more negativity into the atmosphere that was already there I think yeah it's and you're like giving they negated it the happiness that exactly. once was there yeah and they tainted it by yeah. like the 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 wealthy doing all those things mm-hmm. yeah. just to spite the catholic religion yeah or religion or protestant well, religion yeah. whatever just religion in general christianity Yep. and um, <clears throat> they tainted it and they turned it into something else yeah. which yeah. kind of sucks because had they never done that then you could probably get there like go there of and course. have like a positive joy mm. energy high. yeah you know then, what I'm saying? then maybe it would be closer to like new grange and stuff where people yeah. still go to this day for that like spiritual yeah. connection and mm-hmm. that that's the uh, thing like you know and it's like I think it is a place that people go for a spiritual connection, but not a positive one anymore. Yeah. So you still have people, obviously, that are performing negative acts or negative rituals or putting negativity up into the air out there, and it is feeding it, which is probably yeah. why when we go up there, we're being outweighed by it because yeah. Yeah. so much badness has happened up there over the years. Like, that's not even, we can't even imagine what was going on there that hasn't been publicized exactly and then like another quick thing like say there is one spirit like let's just say for the sake of this there's one spirit up there that's his house that's her house whatever uh-huh. all these people are coming up there and poking and prodding and shouting at it in the middle of the mm-hmm. night like, doing all this it's not going to be happy no like no. my cat did you know? that the other night arthur came up the other night and woke me up before i am i was not happy <laughs> <laughs> and he lives in my house yeah so like if i'm in my <laughs> yeah residence if i'm here if i'm in my home that always was has and will be and this gang of four people come up and they want to get me on camera and record me and stuff yeah i'm gonna be pissed 
yeah, yeah. come at me ghost yeah, or, like, okay why do you why why do they always come and have me put on a show for them? yeah, yeah. <laughs> why do they want me to shout at them <laughs> and then for us that good. night it was like you know what they want the show i'll give it to them yeah i gave them a show I, yeah i mean yeah, i've I, been i said i'd never go back at this point i think i finally just at this point i it it seems to me like it's a it's a place that's alive right mm -hmm. yeah. and it has a memory obviously because it remembers all the good and all the bad and all the continuous bad that keeps on coming but it also remembers the people i think and i, I think, think so that's too. why because i think that's why uh it rem i think it remembers sarah because she was mentioning that she go she used to go up there frequently as a kid and i think that's why it elicits like she it elicits uh actions from from that place yeah. you know Absolutely. what i'm saying like the fact yeah. that she's been marked and stuff a lot of times yeah of course yeah. yeah but like she's being attacked when she goes up there that's the thing yeah like yeah i'm not saying it's a good thing yeah that it no remembers absolutely her. but the thing is it <laughs> could it be a good thing that it remembers her because unfortunately like maybe she realized it or not like she has a connection with that place and i think you're dead right like from when she was a kid and you're so much more open like psychically when you are a kid you're so much more open mm -hmm. in many ways when you're a kid yeah like she's going up there you know arms wide open essentially she loves the area i think you hit the nail on the head so say when you said like this place is alive and it has a memory <clears throat> and i think it should be like treated as such do you know what I mean? And I mean, yeah. I think we do a good job of that. And I think we respect it. But there's also a lot of disrespect that goes on up there. So the area, could, like, it could be angry as well. Yeah. You know, like, anger and sadness and negativity all feed into each other into this, like, horrible, like, soup. And then you get Darth yeah. Vader. But, like, you could get the Hellfire <laughs> Club either. But, like, it's all the look of the draw. <laughs> Another thing that, uh, just real quick before we mm. finish up, um, like, Sarah and you, both remember hearing these party noises and these yes. screams me and carl didn't mm. and we were all walking down as a group yeah you know stuck together because we we're all fucking terrified mm -hmm. and used to were both hearing them and we couldn't hear anything yeah we we're like other than just the sounds of could be because we're women well th this is it maybe like i don't know exactly why like maybe it's different well, frequencies or anything you know or, I mean? or it could be because you and carl tend to be the skeptics right and um amy and sarah are the ones that are more i guess more, well versed in this kind yeah, of more in tune thing more yeah more in tune so it's like hey you know they they can see us you know like maybe we can like because I, I i'm a firm believer that things can show you what they want what they you. want to show you yeah right and when i think when they're looking at you they're probably you and carl they're like let's scare them and get them the hell away from here yeah. we like sarah and amy ah, let's show them the the or, well the <laughs> way the, the way that i had you been know? thinking it was i like your theory <laughs> going with it but another thing like i was thinking is it scared us out of there literally yeah because like, yeah, you drove us out of there yeah but yeah. and even when it was making the little noises inside Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember who it was it was you or someone anyway said it's we're following it and we're giving yeah. it what it wants yeah and whatever but then it scared us uh -huh. it literally we think mm -hmm. was uh, like fucking with us until we were on the track and it was like touching or me and carl both got uh -huh. like physical shit happening yeah and then we're halfway down and you guys start hearing 
like uh, these party noises and yeah. screams or whatever. Yeah. It's almost like it was saying, like, we did it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. maybe this is like, That's they like pulled their resources or whatever it was. It's, they scared us out of it. And then they're like mocking us. Yeah. yeah. As they're walking down, like, look what yeah. they do have. Kind of kind of like, exactly. like uh, Echo, uh, the mythology from Echo uh, is that she can, like, how she can only repeat the things that she's heard. Right. Right. And so um, instead of just, blatantly like you don't hear like a maniacal laugh or something but she the thing remembers the sound of celebration yeah, associating so. it as and so it uses that as a language to say like, like oh a it's happy almost, yeah like, you know yeah, what i'm saying cool. but i mean it was just like it was the screams that don't mean more so than anything else because screams are never a good thing and they were like female screams so you know, part of your things is just like, oh, someone needed help here at one stage. Yeah. You know, and it uh, makes what, what do you think, uh, Amy? Do you think it's more like there's the, like, living energies that are just trying to, like, cohabitate in mm-hmm. this place? Or do you think it's it's all just become one thing and it gives you, like, if when it's happy, it it emanates like the noise of party and when it's abs when it's mad it emanates shadow people which one do you think it is i think this is gonna be really annoying i think it's like right bang smack in the middle of the two i think there (laughs) are maybe a couple of things there that reside there and they're the ones that are in charge and they're the ones that are there as a result of sheer negativity, horrible things that have happened, you know, entities that can form like that. They're, when they're referred to as elementals and they have no form. They just come from horror and misery and just sheer terribleness and they smell mm-hmm. awful and they don't have form like that. They can adapt to different forms, but they've mostly been explained as like, a gray mist or a black cloud sometimes it would take the appearance of a dog but one of the things that always gives it away is its smell so what i think happens up there is that there probably are like maybe one or two kind of along the lines of that up there and they're look up on this higher level and then what's down below is kind of like the memory of the place and like the second part of it like you know and the projection of happy sad all this sort of thing but i think whatever else is there can step in and do what it wants when it wants and that probably has the say over what happens altogether. That probably sounds absolutely like crazy. Like the referee. <laughs> exactly. It probably sounds absolutely crazy. But I don't think that if you were to say how many spirits were to be up there at this point, there's no way they could all cohabit. <laughs> there's no way. And um, yeah, that's the thing as well. Like, I mean, the reaction that you do get that, like that, that I got the one time that I went there and like seeing you guys getting as well, it was not a good one and like that it seemed very mocking i do think it was something because something was seen there and something was felt there and uh, like physically that you know profile was seen there do you know and then you hear these sounds on the way down and my head actually felt like it was going to burst because i didn't i didn't think i could handle it because i was scared but i wasn't like when you're watching a movie scared or when you're like, you know, walking down the street by yourself, scared. I was just, because I didn't know what it was, but it didn't want us there and it wasn't nice and it wasn't good. And it made us all individually and collectively feel awful. Like, feel, 
and anger that's what in some cases physically unwell like nausea mm-hmm. in some cases breaking out in sweats and like that so aggressive incredibly like the, the level of aggression went from zero to a hundred incredibly quickly and incredibly steadily as well like it was absolutely insane like I felt it in myself and I was like why am I getting so annoyed I have no reason to be this annoyed here mm-hmm. and then coming down it was just fear like really like cold kind of I'm scared here mm-hmm. and I can't yeah. put my finger on why I'm scared because I don't know what it is and that's the horrible thing at the end of the day is that we don't know what it is like going up there is very different to reading about it. It is a magical place. It, it is a place that needs to be treated, I think, with respect and care and caution. And I think the experience that we had up there was, it was amazing and terrifying. And it just, it kind of brings you back talking about it now to how you felt that night. And I'm just, I, I can still remember how like warm and cold at the same time that I felt. I was warm, but I was freezing at the same time, even though we were walking like so quickly, like, you know, back down the hill and stuff like that. And like, none of us were really even speaking to each other. It was just like. And one of the worst parts. (laughs) One of the worst parts of that walk is uh, because it's up the top of the hill, the the trail brings you all the way around the back and then back to the front. so it like circles all the way around Mm -hmm. so at one point you're looking through the trees and all you can see is this fucking building like dark with no moon no stars and we were away that's oh that's the worst part of that that's the thing and we were away for like we weren't at the top of the hill at this stage so the light pollution was not as strong as it was Mm -hmm. and it is just this looming ominous oh yeah scary Great experience, though. <laughs> amazing, amazing experience. Will not repeat it. <laughs> but I don't know. I, in the future, maybe I would repeat it. But I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll, we'll go back. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's fucking Halloween. Okay, chill. <laughs> Yeah, so look, this is our first boner uh, bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and call it our first annual. Oh, I see. Okay. Bonus I see where you're going. Episode. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> we can call it the boner episode. I don't mind. Um, but we're going from talking all this negative energy and all that. Let's we're, bring it back. We're positive. Manifesting here, saying that we hope you've enjoyed all of the weekly creep that you've received so far. Yeah, and we're growing little mm-hmm. by little every week. Yeah, and we're gonna be here for next year, and we're gonna have to do something even bigger because next year, again, positive manifesting, we're not gonna be in lockdown. Maybe yeah. we'll be able to do our own real-time investigation or something maybe we can record in like ireland soon maybe we could record in the hellfire club next year fuck (laughs) that okay that was weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's just uh, maybe we shouldn't do that (laughs) that's what i was saying (laughs) lately we've since we've been recording um 
like little weird shit has been happening like weird noises and weird weird patterns of repetition to our audio so we have no idea why that's going on yeah. I, I personally attribute it to those very few weird coincidences that have been happening in the house mm-hmm. but i'm pretty sure you're gonna disagree no i'm surprised we hardly agree on anything I don't know why <laughs> how we ended up married. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this fluke? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say though, in our last interview there with Amy, there is some weird noise, and it's actually just me belching. I thought I was like that off is hilarious. To the side. Yeah, and it happened like while you were saying something pretty like relevant and stuff. So I couldn't even. Usually I just edit out these fucking human noises, but this time I couldn't. So uh, you might just hear that in the background. Yeah. Don't don't get panicked. It's just yeah. my gas. Ooh, leave this in. No. Or leave <laughs> leave this in. That's just me slapping myself. Slapping my hams. Okay, this week. Um, don't edit me, Adam. This week we're gonna leave uh, our sources linked in the description box because there's just tons of them and I don't want to give a big old list like that. Okay. Uh, also, I want to give a quick shout out to Totally Weird and Twisted Podcast or Twat Podcast. They did this really cool Halloween greeting recording thing. Yeah, imagine like a Christmas card, but audio and not Christmas. It's like that. Yeah, that describes it way better. <laughs> <laughs> um we're still not sure how we're going to release it. We might just release it on its own. But it's a huge network of paranormal and true crime podcasts, basically. Yeah. And everybody's just having a good time and saying hello. You yeah. can catch us at around the 420 mark. It's pretty brief. But, um, yeah, anyway, hope everybody's staying safe and everybody has a good Halloween. Yeah, keep your germs to yourself and yeah. we'll, we'll be fine. Breathe inside your mouth. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Season's creepings from Lady Teal's Curios. Remember, stay spooky. Hey everyone, this is Bob. And this is Adam with the Ray Hart Rundown Podcast. And while we get fitted for our Trick or Triggered costumes, we just wanted to wish all of you a safe and happy Halloween. Hey guys, it's Brandon Alvarez from Ghost Hunters. Just want to wish you a happy Halloween. Be safe out there and enjoy the Halloween season. Hey, creeps. Tone here. I'm joined with John and everyone's favorite internet darling, spooky Uki host, <laughs> Anthony. We are collectively Porcelain Peak, the strange and scary podcast covering Dissecting. all things horror and science fiction. Or if you're Roger Jackson, sci-fi. Enjoy the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we just wanted to get together here in front of the mic to wish y'all the happiest of Halloweens. The spookiest of Halloweens. The creepiest of Halloween. The sexiest of Halloweens, Ooh, if you're in this sexy, sexy Halloween. So throw on those sexy Sam from Trick or Treat costumes and stay at home. Don't go, don't go out to any parties, guys, <laughs> for the love of God. Things. Yeah, but um, we love Halloween. We know that the ladies over at the Totally Weird and Twisted podcast love Halloween just as much as we do. So we thought it would be something fun for us to do to reach out to all you guys and say, enjoy your spooky season. 
Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> chain rattle, chain rattle, chain rattle. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Charm City Paranormal from Baltimore, Maryland, wishing you a safe and happy Halloween. <laughs> Hello, twat lovers. Yes. God damn, I love a good episode of Twat. Yes. See this pumpkin? His name is Chartreuse the Third. Yes. And he had his skull fucked out. Should have Halloween, baby. Should have had some twat. It's Gus Podcast. Happy Halloween to all the twat lovers yeah, out there. The busy. Space Viking. Yeah. Hello, all you boils and ghouls. David Howard Thornton here. Hot the clown himself from Terrifier, an upcoming Terrifier 2. Wishing you all a happy Halloween. <laughs> we're the Trapologists. This is King. And this is Kay. And we're wishing you a trappy Halloween. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. My name is Richard Lale Lillard, the Gentleman Psychic, and from everyone at ours to everyone at yours, Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! From your favorite sweeties, a.k.a. Heather and Kristen, the hosts of Sinister Sweethearts Podcast. Hey, Mandy and Katie, it's Daniel. You two are beautiful, but I've just come here to say Happy Halloween from the Creepy Crap Podcast. Keep yourselves spooky, keep yourselves creepy, and uh, just just have a good Halloween. P.S. You guys fucking rock. Love the Trap Podcast. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween from Debbie Q, the right shoe podcast.com. Happy Halloween from Roxy Marie at One Girl's Problems Podcast. Happy Halloween from Weekly Creep. Hey guys. Hey, it's Amelia. And it's Alex. From Killer Track. Hey. And we want to say a massive happy Halloween. Who's spooky Halloween? Wow, spooky Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> a massive Halloween from Boys of Us at Killer Track. And we want to say here, or we'll see you guys soon. Yeah, happy pumpkins. Bye. Keep spooky. Happy Halloween. <laughs> from the Horror Movie Crew Podcast. <laughs> Hey, Jackie. Yeah? Would you rather have sex with a skeleton or a mummy? Uh, mm, I, I think skeleton. Yeah, same. You know they're going to be good at boning. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Happy, Happy Halloween, Halloween from Jackie and Emily from the Greener Grass Podcast. 
Hey guys, this is Michael from the We Love Horror Podcast, and I just wanted to wish you guys a happy Halloween, and thank you so much for letting me be on your show. It's an honor and a privilege, and I love your show. Keep up the great work, and yeah, to you and all the listeners, uh, have a great and happy and safe and spooky Halloween. See you guys later. Hey twats, it's Frankie. And it's Jake. And we are Fear the Talking Queers. And we just wanted to say, Happy Halloween, bitch. And for those who speak Spanish, Feliz Halloween, perra. (laughs) Sweet screams, bitch. Happy Halloween from Sledgehammer Horror. Hi, this is Chewie. And this is Monica, and we're from Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. <laughs> your podcast for all your horror media needs, and we want to wish you a very spooky Halloween season. Hey, all you twats listening to Totally Weird and Twisted, we just wanted to say Happy Halloween from the Radio Nasties podcast. So, Happy Halloween! Oh! Halloween again. Alright. So, happy Halloween from the Amish Inquisition to all the twats out there. Who are? Hey, witches. Happy Halloween from the podcast. Hi, Hello Fiends. 31 Nights of Hallow's Eve wants to wish you all a very great and safe Happy Halloween. I also want to say a small message. You should tell your loved ones, whether it's your friends or family, how much you love them and what you love about them. Because how much and what they love about you might just surprise you. Happy Hallow Fiends. I love you all. Happy Halloween from Chaotic Neutral. Happy Halloween from Patty Negri and The Witching Hour. This Halloween, check out a haunted place with me. My name's Sarah Jones from Laughing in the Dark, and I'm wishing you the happiest, spookiest Halloween season. Happy Halloween from Spooky Science Sisters. Massive shout out to all of you creators out there who join forces with us to wish all of you guys listening a happy and safe Halloween. Please make sure to check them out. And from all of us to all of you. Happy Totally Weird and Twisted Halloween. Happy Halloween. From Totally Weird and Twisted Podcast. (laughs) What an excellent day for an exorcism. Record treated fucking Halloween.